Simpsons Index, an online spreadsheet that is also a podcast. This is the podcast. Coming to you out of SideQuest Studios, this is the Simpsons Index, episode 211. Hello out there, I'm your host Elliot J. O'Neill, and joining me from all far reaches of the globe is BT Calloway. Well, Arch, you're looking lovely tonight. Claire Double R. Hi. And Danny Rosewell. I'm Danny Rosewell. You sure are. And thank you for joining me for The Simpsons Index. Of course, it's a podcast where we watch and review three episodes of The Simpsons at a time, but there is a twist. Each episode must come from a different decade. Oh, Genki Deska, guys. Genki tonight. Freaking weebs. <laughs> <laughs> Look, actually, I want to say something. Mm-hmm. As soon as I started watching this, I knew exactly why you wanted me on for this particular episode, and I'm offended. <laughs> I feel... Well, there we go, Elliot. It's been uh, 200 something episodes. We finally offended a woman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> finally! Wow. <laughs> this has been, been, been my goal the whole time. No, uh, <laughs> but yes, of course. Of course, I got Claire on uh, as the most uh, learned weeb. in. <laughs> yeah, as the weeb. Yeah, the token weeb. You know, we have culture. <laughs> I'm not just okay. I can't go down that path. So they <laughs> hired a cultural expert. Yeah. Who? When are they coming on? Zing. Uh-huh. But yeah, so I do like to yeah line up the episode choices with people who um you know are, are at least somewhat aware in the subject matter. Yeah, and you guys have been to Japan multiple mm. times. It's true. So you know exactly how you can be offended by this fucking thing. <laughs> I've got some ideas. Some no, of it seemed the, offensive. That's the thing. I only have ideas of how mad I should be. I don't really know. It would be appropriation for me to be mad on someone else's behalf. I'm getting pretty <laughs> sick of Hank Azaria's Asian voice. Mm. Like, Kimiko dad voice. Mm. Oh, I thought you meant Kimiko. I was like, oh, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> Mm. It was voiced by Tress McNeil, a yep. white lady. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Big surprise uh, there. Look, we uh, have to firstly say this is 2013, right? Yeah. People yeah. were dumber back then and more racist. I mean, they still are dumb and racist, but I think we're coming to the fact that we at least don't, like, you know, record voices. Yeah, yeah. And like, to mm. the Simpsons' credit, Kamiko is now voiced by, uh, I think it's a Japanese woman, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, yeah, because we reviewed a comic book guy and Kamiko-focused episode with Jordan, mm. our other weeby friend. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and by that point, she'd been replaced yeah, with an Asian woman. But I think, yeah, around the time that this episode was released was like right before the problem with Apu like, got mm. a lot of attention and that whole issue of yeah white actors voicing people of color were uh, was brought into question and rightfully so because this one is so uncomfortable let's hook in <laughs> this was season 25 episode 10 married to the blob first released in january of 2014 it was directed by chris clemens written by tim long <laughs> in this tim. episode <laughs> you son of a bitch tim uh, in this episode, comic book guy meets Kamiko and they get married and her father is originally disapproving but eventually comes around to him. Hey, what do we think? Uh... You know what? I'll let somebody else take the floor first. I was tired. <laughs> I was so tired and well before they did their whole Spirit Away adventure. It was an episode that just seemed to really go on. Did you notice yeah. that like... They found out about the comic book. Oh, Radioactive Man dies. I thought his episode was a bit too long as well, but uh, Radioactive Man dies. They go stand in line to get to the next one, and then it cuts to a montage of clocks ticking, and we just watched clocks tick, <laughs> tick, 
Tick. Coming up next on the clock channel, six o'clock. Mm. <laughs> like you said, it was too long, and they clearly had a short episode because we had a full introduction and then a long, high concept guest yeah. couch mm. gag. Yeah, that, which I mean, was, was also pretty. too long. Look, I actually was really enjoying that at first until they started repeating the the sections of the couch gag. Why? 100%. Why didn't they just go through once? Filling time. Mm. And it was so I well animated. Time. Like I thought it was really nice compared to some of the other ones we've seen. Yeah, like Bill Plimpton, he's made so many guest couch gags so far. And I think the thing that I keep coming back with him, I love the art and the style, but I feel mm. like the gags themselves are just poorly written and yep. don't pay off. Yeah, he hasn't got much to say. Yeah. He's an artist, not a writer. <laughs> but this one didn't even feel, I don't know, just like the first run through, I thought, okay, this is cool. It doesn't have to have a point. Mm. That's fine. I'm, I'm okay yeah, with not nice having visual. a point. I'm seeing nice stuff. Cool. But it's, it's when they're just kept repeating the same scenes i'm like you couldn't have drawn something new yeah or just yeah cut down the amount of repetition and just like and hang on the bits a bit longer because they were nice to look at and yeah it felt like they just like how short's the episode all right throw in another cycle that's Mm. it man write more material is actually is the better answer Mm. all right well let's hook into the questionnaire proper and really fucking dig into this one all right so claire we'll start with you then for better or worse what's a moment from this episode that stands out to you Okay, I want to say two overarching things. I think that sure. would be the best way to go. And again, I feel like this is both growth from my own oath. side of thing. Growth? Both Gro- growth from growth. my oath. <laughs> but also, you know, just the television industry in general, it's gotten slightly better. Mm-hmm. But not only was this horrendously racist and a poor quality version of, of like a Ghibli homage, I guess. Is mm-hmm. that what, that's what they were no, trying I to do? No, I believe it's pronounced homage. <laughs> It's Homer and Marge, guys. It's not Marge. (laughs) (laughs) But also, the fat jokes in this Mm. pissed me off so much. And, like, I get it. You know, we've always had fat jokes with Homer and la 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 la. The Simpsons is not good for this, right? I already had my back up a little bit because I was married to the blob. And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, he's getting married. Like, leave comic book guy alone for, like, two seconds if you're going to have a marriage episode about him. Just quickly mm-hmm. on that as well, this isn't the first time they've used that episode title. Yeah. This was the name of a Treehouse of Horror segment where mm-hmm. Homer becomes a literal blob from overeating. And well, that, yeah. that works because fat jokes are lazy writing. Yeah. <laughs> and also the blob is a movie, you know? That's the reference yeah. they're making. So Is it yeah. is it a good reference? I mean, it's not a great one. I mean, the, the fat jokes in here were cheap. They were unnecessary. Like the stomach sticking together. Yeah. The mm, mm. the one that really pissed me off, I think, was after Homer. Apparently, it was his fault for breaking up the marriage, mm-hmm. or like the relationship. I don't know how. Yeah. But apparently, yeah. it was we'll, his fault. We'll get to that. And then comic book guy comes over to his house to get ideas because you know he's the only fat man that's ever pulled a beautiful woman. Oh yeah. Mm. Mate. Oh, that was that was the like final straw because it wasn't even a joke. It was just a nasty thing to say. Yeah. So that everyone in town is pretty chunky these days. Yeah. Wiggum is is a large boy. Doctor Hibbert's a larger boy. Um, well, that's the thing. I mean, this is the reality of thing. Like they they're still making these jokes, but to what end? Like you're making it about people in your audience who ha- mm. live full and happy lives. Like you're making it about people within your own show that don't follow the pattern that you're trying to like 
make here. These these jokes are old. They're just really yeah. old and they need to be put to bed now. Yeah. But yeah, aside from that, the the whole plot, like what can you say? <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. one thing I did like was I actually quite liked the radioactive man comic, comic at the yeah. beginning. I thought it was actually pretty good. Might have run yeah. a bit long. No yeah. real like connection to the episode. But I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, I thought independent, like, on its own, it could have worked setting up a different thing and, like, mm -hmm. especially, you know, with the glut of superhero content, especially yeah. having superheroes out there sending a message and having been bought by corporations. I thought that's mm -hmm. where it was going. Like, I'd seen this episode before. I knew it wasn't. But I thought it was going to be ending up being, like, a propaganda film for the nuclear power plant or something. Yeah, yeah. But even then, just the idea that Radioactive Man has, along the line, been bought by nuclear power to promote them is, you know, something there. Yeah, I, I agree about the whole fucking fat Jamie jokes. And, like, I think the lazy writing is just going to be the big banner of this fucking episode because it's, the you know, the thing. How do we get the Simpsons involved with as little effort as possible in this episode? And, yeah, to me, that is the laziest fucking non-effort effort to get Homer involved. Mm -hmm. uh how about you bt what stands out to you from this episode for better or worse i'm gonna go full-on renegade here and talk about what i thought was better mm. unexpected yeah, pew, pew, don't know what i'm gonna do next uh yeah look i this is one of the rare episodes that actually changes something in springfield because kamiko becomes a permanent character from here she doesn't get taken away by her father or she doesn't get you know uh, her father accepts comic book guy, but then she has to leave for some stupid reason. No, she actually stays. They actually get married. That's permanent from now on. And she kind of becomes a better character over time. We don't get too much of her, but there's a little bit of sweetness there. There's something. So yeah, one of the rare moments of The Simpsons actually making a permanent change, uh, I'm going to say is a positive. You can change this show. It's okay, guys. It's been 30 years. We can handle it. Yeah, I agree. And it's nice seeing comic book guy find love. I mean, it was done in an extremely hacky way in this circumstance oh, yeah. but literally the first woman he sees <laughs> whether or not it's been used to good effect later on yeah mixed results it, yeah but as a, the change itself i agree mm. i think it's welcome uh how about you danny rosewell danny danny rosewell what stands out to you from this episode Look, if everyone gets two big swings, I want a little one at least. Um, <laughs> I felt like the whole reason they had in Radioactive Man, one of the villains was King Cole because someone was desperate to say, I'm going to swat you mm. like a gnat, King I Cole. Oh yeah. my God. Like, oh, it's so bad, low-hanging fruit. And they were so desperate to say it. You can just hear their desperation in it. Yes, you, you could hear their class being like, Father, I have made a witty in the episode I am writing. Come look, Father. <laughs> Approve of me. <laughs> and I kind of liked it in the sense of when they first introduced his name as Old King Cole, I was like, yeah, I like that. That's a good yeah. villain name. Yeah. Makes sense. And then they just ruined it. You know, like, just mm -hmm. don't over-explain it. We get ah. it. We get what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I kind of like the T-Rex uh, with petrol arms. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Petroleus Rex, yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Tragic backstory assigned to a T-Rex straight mm. away made him so much more interesting and even him, like, calling for support from, like, solar power and, and wind power, like, mm. obviously terrible message yeah, there, yeah. but works very well within that universe trying to promote nuclear yeah. power. It's like, yeah. ran out of energy. Nobody likes the way I sound. Like, I, I don't know. I thought it was funny. <laughs> mm. Well, look, I also want to mention Stan Lee while I've got you go, while I've got the floor. Mm -hmm. Guest of this episode, the king of cameo, Stan Lee. <laughs> was not super impressed. Kind of weird me out, this one. I mean, it was great that he was like, hey, I'm here. I'm the cameo man doing my cameo biz. But like then 
I'm the ghost of Stanley whilst real Stanley's over here. Oh, there he goes. And I'm going to like do the huggy thing and stare at you. And mm-hmm. oh, it was weird. It was weird. And especially we quite liked it when Stanley cameoed the first time mm. uh, when he and just wouldn't, wouldn't leave. leave. Yeah. <laughs> and that was great because it's very like comic book guy, be careful for what you wish for. You know, yeah. this guy might not be, you know, don't meet your heroes and all that. But yeah, this mm-hmm. one was just weird. Is he there? Is he ethereal? Is he a ghost? Like, why is he officiating the wedding now? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. I forgot that happened. <sighs> yeah, that's was that real Stanley at the wedding first. or was it imaginary Stanley at the wedding? Did they have a ghost officiate the wedding? Maybe. Well, that is the dream. Like, every little girl's dream is to have a ghost officiate their wedding. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You heard it here first from our representation of all women. <laughs> <laughs> you really need to get some other girls on this podcast. And some other weebs. <laughs> <laughs> weebs and women, the two W's. I don't know, I'll go with this. <laughs> There's a new podcast, Elliot, Weebs and Women. We're not on it. and rightfully so oh but what stands out to me oh it's just got to be the cliched sing about my feelings which i'm gonna do right now Mm. this episode sucked but how did you guys like uh, comic book guys song um whatever i I don't remember a single line from it I don't remember mm. a single line from it. I That's... remember being so sick of him listening to him do the voice the whole time. Like, it's mm. not a voice made for singing, and he was so painfully committed for, like, mm. seven and a half minutes of fucking, you know... Uh, one of the things yeah. that really bugged me about is, like, I've got no one with to commingle, and then they've got that shot of the Pringles for ages, and you just know yeah. the next yeah. line is going to rhyme with Pringle. And sure enough, it did. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, they had the, they even had the setup for like you know he's like oh it would be such a cliche to sing about my feelings now, so I won't. I'm sad. Mm. That would have been enough. I get it, guy. It's it's cool. Oh, and just to bring attention, um, this is a like another coincidence because this episode brings back Milo, who yeah, runs yeah. the other comic book shop. But this time he was not played by Jack Black. He was replaced by Maurice LaMarche. And you just know that that little rock interlude that happened in Comic Book Guy's Ballad was totally written for Jables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense now, because I thought this is a really significant change in the music. Why are it we is doing this? It is an awful change in pace. It did not land at all for mm-hmm. me. In a song that already felt dragged out. Not impressed, not impressed, but I guess Lamarche yeah. just did his best. Hey, I'm speaking in rhyme. <laughs> no, stop singing about your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so, wackiness. You know, I'm glad neither of us mentioned it for better or worse, because I think this is going to take up all the wackiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the snake wine hallucination yeah, hallucination. Session. Yeah, look, this part confuses me the most because the main criticism I'm going to aim at most of this episode, other than the racism that I'm not allowed to because I'm not of that race, is to be just how low effort everything is. And yet all the Ghibli references, that's where all the effort was. And it's like, but why? This wasn't the point of the episode. Like, they threw in some decent cuts in there and it was like, you have to know your, your Ghibli to get all this. But why? Why is this where you put 90% of your focus? That, to me, also feels so low effort, like, in a way, you know? Look, I think this is my whole problem with um, Kimiko and pretty much every other beat relating to her or her father in this is just they thought of anything Japanese that they could Mm. put 
Yeah. And just shat all over these characters and all over the storyline with it. And, like, I would have loved to see, like... Showered them. <laughs> all on and around them face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, it's just... It, it didn't fit with the storyline. It doesn't even fit with the plot of the movies. Like, his revelation in the dream sequence is that I am the monster all along. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work with the movies either. Like, it's not really anything. It's just a nothingness. They pick a monster from one of the movies, which is actually, you could argue that that monster turned out to be fine as long as he was taken away from his bad influences. So, he like, was misunderstood. He was a misunderstood monster. Yeah. Whereas, like, they just wouldn't that have been good, good if the father was like, you know what? I am misunderstood. Let me let me talk it out with you instead. Oh, I don't know. They just need to throw the whole episode away what's the reference you're talking about sorry that one is the spirited away so the no face character the black shrouded character with the mask sure that's no face from spirited away and i mean not even the main villain of that if you could say that that movie has a villain so like you could stupid reference right beautifully animated just utterly utterly pointless and i actually don't recognize some of the things that they put in there that were quite mainstream like the the lisa and bart snail no idea where that's from. I think that's from the Treehouse of Horror, where Lisa turns into a snail. Is it like a Junji Ito reference? Could. I feel like you you don't put Junji Ito in the middle of your Ghibli. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. Like, I don't recognize where that's from. I'm not. A- that's a hard turn. Well, that that's what I was going to clarify because yeah, I still haven't seen a lot, if any, of the Ghibli movies. Ghibli, and I don't even know how to pronounce it. Like, I picked up on like Hell's Moving Castle and mm-hmm. Otto being Cat Bus, which again, yeah. like. Yeah, fair. Cute visual tie-in, but why are we doing this? Like, mm-hmm. so I, I did want to clarify. So, was it strictly Ghibli, or were there some other things? I think mixed it up was. I think it was supposed to be, but again, there were some certain parts that I couldn't really match up. The snail I didn't get, and actually, I wasn't really sure what Millhouse was supposed to be either. Yeah. And like, I feel like it's something because he was mm. quite a main focus. He came back at the end as well. So, what's that? You know, what's that about? I feel like I'm going to lose some weeb points if somebody's like, it's obviously this. I think he's a reference to, like, the really gigantic head that's also in Spirited Away that the witch lady just has around. That's what I Uh, But the thing is, it's he's just the nose, and I guess that's the joke in quotations. But um, tune into our other podcast, Women and Weebs, uh, (laughs) and we will figure this out. (laughs) I mean, actually, they they missed out on a huge opportunity, right? Because they had Selma and... and Louise. Party. Thank you. That's what I was thinking of Louise as well. It's like, that's not a name. (laughs) Patty and Selma. That's why I flipped it. Patty and Mm -hmm. Selma were using the Kiki's delivery service reference because they were witches, right? And they've used them as witches in previous, you know, Halloween Mm -hmm. episodes and things like that too. But Spirited Away has a pair of witch sisters, which are like grotesque looking, I suppose you could argue, you know, older and everything. Would have made a much better reference for those two than a Rookies. sweet little delivery girl. Amateurs. Like, mm. I don't understand. Did you even watch these movies or did you just go on Google image search and just find a bunch of things and Brody go, we can draw this? Look, it's very simple. One of the writers had their partner sit them down and marathon all of them. They got to the end. They didn't really remember <laughs> anything, but they were like, hey, you know, these movies are a big deal, guys. Let's put them in an episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Look at a merch stand. Grab a couple of snapshots and we'll, we'll make it work. Yeah, just looking through the trivia on Simpsons Wikia, which 
uh, yeah, and is a fucking invaluable resource for my research. Yeah, Milhouse doesn't even come up in whatever their direct references were. Yeah, yeah, Apu was uh, doing the Howl's Moving Castle thing. Kearney, Jimbo, and Dolph were Haku from Spirited Away. And yeah, other references to Princess Mononoke. And yeah, like you said, Kiki's Delivery Service and Ponyo. Um, like, they did a lot. Yeah. Again, I think coming back to the whole lazy writing of this, and Claire, you mentioned before, just was it really Homer's fault and why no. was the burden on him to then convince this yeah. guy and then why was a mishmash of Ghibli references meant to fix things? Yeah, the worst thing that Homer did was accidentally tell Kamiko's father the truth. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> like, And she gave him the address, so he was going to the yeah, comic book store anyway. Yeah, he was the house. It's like, he was just there and told him mm, she'd obviously invited him in some way or at least provided the address so he could like write to her or something like all he had to do was knock on the door and they would have answered like they didn't think they were doing anything wrong and he they just weren't. happened to be walking down the street on totally unrelated business but he had a psychic vision that it was his daughter's house <laughs> yeah. so fucking that bad. annoyed me so much perfectly segueing into the heart which i don't think we'll spend a lot of time in it how was the emotional core of this episode there was that like thumping cut out cardboard heart and he drops it into the vacuum seal bag <laughs> and sucks it tight mm. until the heart shatters under his clean desperate cloy for um, I'm trying to make a metaphor to build out of it. It's not really going well. But neither did the yeah. episode. Ayo! Ayo! <laughs> you tried, man, and that's all we need. Actually, um, on the heart, one thing that I noticed, and again, it sort of made me go like, is this just because comic book guy is fat? Like, I don't understand. They didn't even kiss at their wedding. Did anyone oh. else get bothered oh. by that? Uh-huh. Why did they just hug? Doesn't he get oh. a kiss? Like... Look, they're now not up to mouth stuff yet. They're just past hand-holding. They're only married, Claire. Got to get past your, like, your, your paper anniversary before you can even... There have been some pretty graphic shots of Homer's naked bod. Yeah, yeah that's because they've gone well past paper. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you know, actually, that was one of my biggest bugs about Modern Family as well. That of course not enough to showed... fill Dumphy's butt? No, if anything, there was too much of Phil Dumphy's butt. You'd see a lot of Phil and Claire kissing. You'd see a a fair amount of Jay and Gloria kissing, you know, Mm -hmm. the age difference couple. But you never saw um, Cam and um, Mitch. Was that their names? Yeah, it took like four seasons or something. It was a long time. Before they even kissed. And they've had like scenes where the other couples were like, almost having sex like they were dry humping and we never saw any of that like even uh cam and mitch in bed i'm hoping i'm getting their names right but i mean no one's correcting you you must be right in and subscribe (laughs) right in and subscribe yeah there you go we'll get the answers sent to us and via angry hate mail yes yeah that's the thing leave us a five-star review but please handwritten ones only We're too good for this to fucking digital bullshit. Yes. Uh, yeah, look, uh, to me, the heart thing is just so, again, lazy writing. And, like, I'm just left with a lot of questions. Why does Marge care? How was the catalyst, like, important enough? And, like, I don't know. This whole thing felt very trite to me. So trite, yeah. man. Like, the first girl that you see, you have to fall in love with. That's a really creepy stalker sort of thing to, mm-hmm. like, I mean... Uh, it's a standard rom-com thing as well that a girl walks in yeah. and your head just turns. So I'm not. It's not. It's not entirely just on this episode, but it's also mm-hmm. super weird, right? Look, if they just spent even half the time they spent on all this other crap with Ghibli and, and stuff, building that relationship, 
yeah. a little more instead of quickly montaging through a couple of comic cons with it. Like, mm-hmm. would have been so much better. I don't really mind if it's the first person that walks in because, frankly, it's a 30-minute, 20-minute, yeah, whatever yeah, that's episode. Fair, that's fair. They got a current in. Get to it. And I can, I can look past that in this There format. was so much about this episode that dragged. There was so much. Like, yes. the song was long. The intro was long. The, mm-hmm. the friggin' the Spirit Away thing was enormously long. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, another thing. I don't really know why comic book guy and Kamiko really like each other that much. Like, yeah, they're into nerdy shit. Is that enough? Like, Yeah, the implication from the episode is that she's into boorish, loud Americans. She and likes he will critical, take anything. loud Americans. And apparently she's been watching him as well. Yeah. And he's like, well, you're the first person I've ever talked to. So yeah. Weddings. Yeah. She tolerates me. That's the best I can hope for. I'm like, oh Like, what can we, like, by the end of the episode, what could I say about Kimiko except that she likes him? And she's Mm. a poor representation of Japanese people by a white woman. Guys, does she pass the Bechdel test? Of course not. But that's the, that's a very Mm, basic. She does talk to Marge. I do not remember about what. Probably about comic book guy. Yeah. But even so, that's a very base level test. Mm. Like, there are plenty of... I cannot say this off the top of my head, but there are plenty of movies that do not pass that test that still have interesting female characters that have good feminist messages or, you know, whatever the case may be. Just it's got a limited cast, right? And it it fails in one end, but, you know, wins in the other. This is failing in too many other areas. So even if it did pass that test by some miracle, I can't tell you one thing about her. I couldn't tell you what she does for a job. I couldn't. She writes comics. She draws comics about comic book guy. I thought that wasn't for... Oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. She manic pixie dream girls. That's Mm. her job. I thought that was just the montage stylings. That's a full-time job as well. There are a lot of people out there that need that. Yeah, (laughs) they just live on pixie dust. And, I mean, the episode that we watched with Jordan brought up an interesting thing is that she's really into cosplay and he finds Mm -hmm. that bit eye-rolly and a bit stupid. And at least that's sort of, like... It was not a good episode, but mm. at least, okay, there's an exploration of, like... Yeah, it's dimension and conflict. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, did it feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Are these characters we know and love? Ooh, uh, swing and a miss, I think. But, you know, uh, you guys keep at it. <laughs> I mean, I can't say that any of them were completely out of character. It was just that the focus was on these two new characters that we know nothing about, that... Mm are basically just racist stereotypes the whole episode. So it's not a good episode of The Simpsons. It's certainly not representative of The Simpsons as a show. But I don't think any of, like, Homer, Marge, or even Comic Book Guy was particularly, like, out of character. No, it's one of those things where, yeah, you can say, yeah, there's probably no real integrity breaks, but the their motivations don't feel strong yeah. and, like, therefore the show as a whole feels off. Yeah, the beats of the show are, you know, technically fine, but just the scripting and the writing for it of what used to be, you know, the tightest half hour of television on television is now... Like, I wrote down multiple instances of jokes that aren't jokes, they're just things you're saying, which I may save for later notes. (laughs) But yes or no, would you watch this episode again? Nah. No. Let's figure out what would change. BT, we'll start with you. All radioactive man comic book the entire way. Yeah. Yeah, case look, closed, really. Yeah, look, that's more fun. If you want to go with Comic Book Guy, just structure it differently. It's Like I said, I, I do like that there's an actual change to the show in this episode. They're so very rare, even after 30 years. 
But just, you can do better than this, Simpsons, for the love of God. And hey, if it's an entirely, you know, an entire Radioactive Man comic book, but then throughout the, you know, issue, you start to get hints as to maybe who's reading it and maybe what they're avoiding doing, even if it's just Homer who's bored at work or Bart who's supposed to be doing his homework and there's a little, you know, there's an episode there. I can probably give you something. Give me a couple of thousand dollars. (laughs) I like that. I like that. That's like a short stories about Springfield sort of vibe. Like, Yeah, why not? Let's do that. And what about you, Claire? What would you like to change about this one? I mean, I, I think I'm with Beach. I, I like the idea of having a new character in, introduced and like having an Asian character voiced by an Asian person is always like nice to see some more diversity added to the cast. Mm-hmm. Obviously not the case in this scenario. But I just would have liked her to be anything other than a complete stereotype. Like, just yeah. give me something. Give me an actual human being. Like, that's what I would change. Everything else, I mean, it's all garbage. Like, it's all garbage. I'd throw the whole episode away, really. But the one main thing is I think if they'd just gotten, you know, these characters introduced for something other than making jokes about Japan, stereotypical jokes about Japan, yeah, it would have been a better episode. They could have built mm-hmm. a lot more. And they could have had Ghibli references in there. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it's a, you know, huge film company. Like, it does have a huge impact. And mm-hmm. introducing it, with Japanese characters that are interested in comic books and, and pop culture and movies and things like that. There's no real issue there. You just need a more interesting character. You know, they did her dirty, basically. They did her really dirty yep. and then they doubled down on it with introducing the father. That's like the typical, you know, everything that you expect, like a, you know, disciplinarian type Japanese father to be. Yep. Yeah, unnecessary. Danny, what do you reckon? What would you like to change? Okay, so how about... I don't know if it's going to pan out. I'm just going to start talking and see what happens. Uh, Good plan. <laughs> That's I'm what Tim it. Long said. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. <laughs> Checkmate. All right. Game over. Oh, I missed you, Elliot. <laughs> um, so we've got comic book guy who is lonely and overweight and smelly and gross. Not necessarily the overweight of neg- a negative thing, but... He's an incel, essentially. Like, he's, you know, he's hypercritical of everyone except himself, and he's, you know, he doesn't take care of himself, or blah, 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 and he's so lonely, and he's angry about it, and blah, 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 and it could be this really interesting way for him to, like, self-analyze that, you know, if he wants people to like him, he should be someone that people want to like, and, oh, I don't want to change for them, they should like me for who I am, but if they mm-hmm. don't become, that first you have to like yourself, or become someone that you like, or you want, or that they want to, blah, 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 all this sort of, like, like, that's a hot topic in America, the the sort of anger of the, the incellular, yeah. insular self person internet rage and that's sort of who i sort of i I expected him to be uh embodying a bit more Mm -hmm. um and so instead of like the first girl that walks in through his door is japanese and a weeb and falls madly in love with the glasses thing was that like a racist joke about the eyes or no that was an anime joke more of an anime joke yeah and so instead of meeting a japanese girl he goes to japan because He's a weeb, he's obsessed with Japanese culture and blah, 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 and he gets there and instead of being, it's all anime and just like he imagined, he goes to temples and mountains and forests and gets in touch with his inner self and he meditates and and he changes and improves and then he comes back to Springfield and meets a girl instead that's white and totally unrelated. Um... A white, unrelated woman. Yeah, the, the, the real <laughs> ja- hot Japanese chick was inside him all along. <laughs> 
you know what? Like, I actually, I was following you for a while there. I was like, yeah, yeah. you got, you got something in then. There you a go. little, a little squiffy, but good job. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, coming up from that is like I have a bit of an opposite of that idea. <laughs> <laughs> We're playing uh, yes and though, right? <laughs> well, this is a bit of a no but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, because, like, yeah, comic book guy's a nerd and everything, but I don't think he's ever really overtly been into anime yep. or Japanese yep. culture or anything. Exactly where I was going. Like, say for maybe a few passing references or something, I don't think it'd be a stretch to say he's unfamiliar with this stuff. And that's kind of the angle that I think it'd be interesting to come from that, yeah, maybe she does appreciate for him for his snide and bluntness and Mm -hmm. ability to criticize things, you know, with verbose, well uh, thought out thoughts. (laughs) And, you know, he's riding the high from that. But then he's like, oh, you like Ghibli? Fucking, oh, the castle moves and Billy Crystal's a flame. What the fuck is this movie? And then having her be really offended by that, mm-hmm. like, I think rather than going to the whole disapproving father, I mean, because outside of Japanese stereotypes, it's trite anyway. Like, yep. so having this, I think, could be a bit more of an interesting conflict in that, yeah, he has to just sort of tone it down a bit. Even it's a side that she likes, but, you know, he's still got to consider her feelings once in a while. Nice, mm. nice. Mm. And then, you know, there's that shot at the end where they're both having their own headphones and they're watching things on their own laptops in bed. Like, that's sweet. That's Aww, they're still holding hands, but yeah. they don't like each other's yeah. stuff. Good for them. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. All right, just before we get into everybody's final notes, mm-hmm. don't start the theme song yet. Hold it. I'm poised. Hold it. Uh, we had one more guest star to get through from this episode, Harlan Ellison. Do anyone know who this guy was? Uh, the author? Yeah. Yeah, like, I believe he's like real kind of hard crime kind of dude. Um, He writes like novellas and shit. Uh, sorry, I should have had this one. Uh, but yeah, he just harasses Millhouse in the line because they're like, hey kids, it's Harlan Ellison. Yeah. yeah. You know who that is, Harlan Ellison. What's that letter between X and Z? Why? <laughs> Let me check. You're uh, right. I am on it. <laughs> His notable works are Boy and His Dog, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Oh, wow. Oh, no, he's like a hard sci-fi author of really fucked up shit. <laughs> and also, Repent, Harlequin Said the TikTok Man. Yeah. Dude's hardcore. Don't don't uh, worry about that. Especially I Have No Mouth. That is... Oof. But why is he here? What? Why? Because the kids need to know more about, you know, hardcore sci-fi. That is true. I can't disagree with that. Because he was walking down the street outside of Fox Studios and he mm. bumped into like a tour group and somehow bumbled his way onto the set. And before you know it, whoops, he was in a Simpsons episode. He just like walks out the other end of the studio. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, writing this guy into the show made some Simpsons writers day, but like mm. ultimately pointless. All right, it's time for everyone's final notes. Now it's time, and now it's time for our final notes. Everyone's final notes. Danny, do you have any final notes? Nah, I'm good. Claire, do you have any final notes? Yes. Um, sorry, that was scary. Um, okay. So during his song, at one point, comic book guy wipes a tear away using mm-hmm. a comic book. Yes. Yeah. It made me feel like I was going to get a paper cut like oh, under yeah. my eye yeah. because it uh-huh. wasn't like a dab. It wasn't the flat part. Yeah, of the it was, it was like the slicey part. Edge. Gah, no. And also the visual of that implied to be Action Comics number one, a very valuable comic that he would not wipe his eye with. Definitely Absolutely. not. I like how we both just like that, but coming from different angles. 
Why are you ruining it? Why are you getting your blood all over it? <laughs> it's mint condition. Uh, the other thing was there was some flyer. I can't remember what the hell it was related to, but it promised a visit from Joss Whedon that did not age well. Oh, <laughs> it does say infinitely delayed or something like that. As it should oh. be. I have to do final notes sort of hopperscotch style. Hop, hop when you... Oh, and now he has a note. I really didn't like when he got tap when he started tapping on the thing. I really didn't like <laughs> when um <laughs> when he was like stuck doing references. Oh, I'm yeah. doing the fly. Oh, I'm doing the, the, the cone heads. Oh shit, now I'm doing Mars attacks. My note there was, oh god, he's R betting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, get over it. Sorry, back to you. I did quite like the initial Oh, has anyone ever told you you look like Mr. Sparkle? I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> throwback joke. I did not like the second version where his, the father does it and that turns mm. out to be a joke about how Homer yeah. looks like he's going to die soon or something like that. Like That yeah. people use the detergent as a popular way to kill themselves. That's another thing. And then if they weren't done making Japanese suicide jokes, then they, uh, the ghost mother said that it was meant to be a double suicide and... <sighs> Tasteless AF. Not cool. Uh, BT, any other notes? All right, there's a bit where Bart says, Die, caramba, and I just hated mm. it so much. My first of a, this is not a joke, is Homer scratching his back on a Wolverine statue. It's like, this is just a thing you're doing. No, they came up with Badgerine, and they were, we're pretty so proud of that one. It. Yeah. Um, there's a bit where Marge is like, well, the first thing you want to do to get a woman is to, make, it helps if she has a mother she's trying to get back at. And it's like, Ouch, get your scathing hatred out of my Simpsons, please. Yeah. There's a bit where Kamiko's like, oh, our baseball fences are too close. What the fuck does that? What's a baseball yeah, fence? That's a Why weird are they one. close? Yeah, Good fucking Lord. baseball nerds who know like the fencing distances between American and Japanese versions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at one point they're listening to the crucifixion of Jar Jar Binks, and I'm like, again, this is not a joke. What you're just having quotes from the Bible read as Jar Jar. I don't uh, this is not uh, it a was, thing. It was Jim Jam Bonks. Okay, well, take a big pile of fuck and some off while you're at it. Um, there's a zoom into one of the nerds is pregnant with a Catwoman baby. No, again, it's not a joke. It's just there. Was that Kimiko being pregnant? No, no, no. no that was, they uh, were on stage at the time. Strawberry, the other comic book owner's yeah, partner, yeah. wife, person. The closest we get to heart is when comic books guys saying somebody the effect of every day with you will be the best day ever. It's like, okay, you didn't earn this, but at least you wrote a line. And I... Again, if it wasn't such a depressing opener, the bit with the ghost wife at the end where he goes, are you happy? She's like, mm, kind of. Like, okay. Mm. If it hadn't been so depressing why she was there, I might have been okay with that. But... Yeah. yeah. My only other notes, yeah, Milhouse calling attention to the, that he was cast as Fallout Boy was just... Uh, felt like them bringing up their past again. There's no real joke. It's just, this is the mm. thing that happened. And like, Milhouse didn't have the best relationship with fame. So it doesn't and make Mil sense they that never he never released that movie. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Oh, I did actually pop for the line where Homer was like, oh, we shouldn't have drunk that fish wine as well. That was the aquarium. <laughs> yeah. I, I did pop for that one. I got yeah. to admit, it was a shameful pop. All right, it's time to rank pop this thing. Pop some shame. That's our other podcast. Uh, on the Simpsons Index, we rank using our six-point scale, which starts down the bottom at failure. Maybe if the episode was just meh, you give it a participant. But for the positive rankings, you got OK Bronze, Good Silver, Excellent Gold. But for the best, all the very best, the episodes which the Simpsons could not exist without, you give Cubic Soko DR. I'm going to go first. Let me show you how it's done. Fail. 
Like, <laughs> this episode barely tried. At its worst, it was offensive. And at its best, it did change something, I think, in Springfield for the better. But yep. to the effect that it's been positive, I don't know. I haven't enjoyed a lot of the episodes that they've had as a result of this. So, like, I appreciate the change, but, like, the execution was just fucking failed every turn so that's my ranking claire what do you reckon Ah, failure i mean i think it would be very hard even if it was a really great episode outside of this it would be very hard to not fail it just on the racism and the Mm. like like what would what who would we be as people if we could just overlook that like (laughs) you just can't and it's not that incidental like oh you know apu's been here for a long time like this was a new Mm. character they could have done something different they had a chance. They had a chance if she was even like anything other than the stereotype, you know, but no, 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 no. No, and to bring back something that you said earlier, Claire, as well, they did her dirty, and I thought they did comic book guy dirty as well mm-hmm. in this episode. Yeah, um, yeah, it wasn't just racism, it was pretty sexist, it was body shaming, it was, it was an ugly bit all around. Yeah. And so what are you ranking it then, Danny? Oh, well, look, I was thinking it was worth maybe like a, uh, not a silver, but maybe like a chubby bronze um it's like a body shaming thing yeah i understand (laughs) i know what you're going for i just don't know why yeah i I don't know about this chubby bronze (laughs) i don't want to see it (laughs) i was sort of thinking about participant because it was super boring and that's Mm. sort of what participant Mm. says to me like it dragged and they had nothing to say and it was all filler material but there was a lot of offensiveness to the episode like it had i don't know man it leaves a sour taste in my mouth i think so what are you giving it? The index. Well, I can't say it for sure yet. I'm going to give it a failure as well. BT. Mm, once again, all hitches on me. <laughs> uh, look, I'm going to go with a failure as well. This is like where it's not boring, it's cliched. Where it's not cliched, it's offensive. Where it's not offensive, it's lazy. And there are so many jokes that just aren't jokes. They're just things like this has it has all the smackings of an episode that was just went with its first draft it put all its money into its ghibli references which didn't pay off i've written a better episode using a lot of these beats in my head while we've been talking because there's just not the effort there and if not going to try why should i care all right unanimous failure we are giving this episode the it will be my god the seventh unanimous failure from season 25 It'll be joining the other incredibly racist episode, Homerland, where oh yeah, Lisa oh, deduces yeah. that Homer's a terrorist because he's doing Muslim stuff. Uh, oh, that are you happens. Me? <laughs> yeah, uh, Lisa, why? <laughs> yeah. Muslim stuff, Claire. Muslim stuff. <laughs> like he's literally praying towards Mecca, and he's she's like, no, it can't be. Like, oh yeah. Look, I want to rewatch it mostly because I want to make sure my memory of this episode is correct. Because in mm. my head, the chronology is. He's praying to the east. Oh God, he's a terrorist! And then he reveals plans to blow up the nuclear plant. It like, I want to believe those two are flipped the other way around, but I'm pretty sure that's how that goes. And also, White Christmas Blues, another champion of the pit, the man who grew too much. Shag, you remember that one? That's where Sideshow Bob injects himself uh, with animal DNA, oh, DNA yes! and becomes a superhero. Well, super well, supervillain, never yeah. to be mentioned again. Uh, also, Luca Dollar, that's where Lisa falls in love with a kid who's doing competitive eating, played by Zach Galifianakis. Huh. Days of Future Future, a very bad future jump episode where Homer dies a lot. And also, oh, one of our favourites from the pit, you know, we've got a lot of these failures which are like, yeah, don't watch it, it's offensive, but, mm. you know, 
the final failure from season 25. What to expect when Bart's expecting. Yeah. I, I have a weird soft spot for that fucking yeah. trailer. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, like infamous now, which I believe means one. more than famous. <laughs> that's the one that gets the rare cubic failure. It's so bad you you should actually see it. Yeah. <laughs> No, season 25. Ah, oh, what a cluster of shit. All right, let's move on from this episode, and we're going to jump all the way to the start of the teens era, Ooh. and we're going to review an episode called Mare to the Mob. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Are you going with a theme here, Elliot Mare to the Mob. Who can tell? Hmm. We shall see when we come back. And we are back, and we just watched a Teens Era episode. This was Season 10, Episode 9, Mared to the Mob. Mm. First released in December of 1998. It was directed by Swinton O. Scott III. That's not and a real name. Beats the crap <laughs> out of Swinton O. Scott II. I'll tell you what. Oh. <laughs> I thought The Empire was the best Swinton O. Scott. Uh, and it was written by Ron Haig. In this episode, Homer discovers he has a knack for bodyguarding and becomes the mayor's new bodyguard. Guys, what do you think? It's some good fun here. Yeah, it's, it's not a classic, you know, mm-hmm. but... At the same time, there are so many moments in here that I still find very, very quotable many years later. It it holds up. It holds up. Yeah, if anyone tells you there's nothing worthwhile past season nine, you can slap them in the face with a fistful of Tic Tacs and be like, no, (laughs) you are wrong. And I meant to say thumbtacks. But uh, Beach, look, I hear what now. you're saying, but I just didn't buy your no. <laughs> <laughs> your no is what gets you your next job. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this mm-hmm. one, and yeah, you're right. There are just so many bits from this that are part of the Simpsons lexicon, even though yeah, it's it's just shy outside of the classic era. But yeah, it's a good fun. Mm-hmm. Makes me talk in a high voice. Yeah, this is good. It's a busy guy. So why do they call you legs? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yet. Uh, well, let, uh, let's hook into this one. BT, we'll start with mm. you. For better or worse, what's a moment that stands out to you? Man, that whole opening riff is just so good. There's so many subtle jokes hidden within that when they're watching, you know, the thousand dollar movie, which is for <laughs> start is funny. Yeah, and then it's Roger <laughs> Corman's Titanic. Who is Roger Corman? Roger Corman is a very famous uh, guy who made gave a lot of very famous people their start in the movie business by making like really zero budget hack films, but was very good at it. Like very good at finding people who were talented and passionate and giving them their first projects. Massive name in the movie industry, but made a lot of B grade films and C grade and stuff. So the idea of him doing like a budget version of Titanic, yeah, it fits. I'm guessing, given the content as well, that uh, a lot of his movie genres uh, end with the suffix and exploitation. Yeah, <laughs> titty exploitation. Oh, finally, I can take off this stifling bikini <laughs> in the middle oh. of the Arctic. <laughs> but then they pause it, like, we'll be back with the remainder of the conclusion. Like, that's yeah. funny. And then um, yeah. with a message, it's like, well, as long as there's a message and not another ad, I'm like, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. And then the yeah. Baiman sci fi con, where only one eight guy has an alien voice. The other one's like, that's right, Gerald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All that was so good. Yeah, no, it's really wonderful writing here. And yeah, first appearance of the Bymon sci-fi con, which mm-hmm. they uh, return to a bunch of times in The Simpsons. I mean, it's on every Bymon, so... But yeah, I guess that stood out to you as well, because it, again, it's The Simpsons starting out an episode by... Watching, watching television. Yeah. And they managed to squeeze a whole, like, storyline into the... Like, I'm usually the first to really be upset when they do a... When they hang a Louie with the first act... 
that means like Louis doesn't get hung in this. Do a misdirect, you know. What well, means use I your know. left hand instead of your right hand? Um, Elliot was looking at me like I was speaking Dutch. <laughs> I'm usually the first to complain about it, but in this case, I was really impressed at how they managed to compress a whole storyline into one quick, snappy beat. And even though it went nowhere particular, <laughs> not push against that. I think it set up the rest of the story quite well, and it came back in at the end. I thought, yeah, it was. Um, not the most fuck of first acts. So. Mm. How about you, Claire? What stands out to you from this episode for better or worse? Is there anything fluffier than a cloud? <laughs> there is. I don't want to know about it. I just well, yeah. love those guys. Like, they're only in two scenes, but the lines, firstly that one, and then secondly, yeah. hey, we were just talking about you. <laughs> like, <laughs> the most infuriating thing you would hear from anyone be like, oh, yeah, we are just talking about you. Like, <laughs> Yes, us, the people who were paid to protect you. (laughs) (laughs) While there was a riot going on inside. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a simple and stupid yet elegant way to... Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's very quick, it's punchy. They didn't, like, sit on those characters for too long. And I just liked that they were clearly, like... You know, they had some shit happen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, there were hints there of some seriously horrible things that had happened. But... Yeah. Ross is going to hook their genitals up to car batteries for you. <laughs> yeah, oh, I yeah. don't think you were listening. <laughs> That's the thing. We didn't need any more explanation, but yeah, they were like, sure, the nerd convention, yeah, what's going to happen there? Mm. Yeah. Let's take some us time. And it also leads on, like, that second scene leads on to the very quotable... I'll tell you who, that guy. And Homer's like, woohoo! Homer, I don't think you were listening. I said, woohoo. And that's just a good way to end any argument, really. Yeah. Yep. And then here we are, another Homer Jobs episode. Yeah. I wrote that down before I wrote down anything else. It was like, playlist, Homer Jobs. Yep. Well, we can strike that item off the agenda. <laughs> uh, but Shag, what stands out to you for better or worse? I really liked hearing... Uh, legs be like, are you mad at me? <laughs> just, oh, yeah. I, I never that noticed button. that before. Oh my god. He's got a lot of great little lines in this one. Like he gets pushed out on stage and he, you know, but I'm just supposed to kill the mayor. Does the whole dance. Oh, and then oh, I, I love when he's love trying it. to stab Homer and Homer's like, give me that knife. No, it's mine. Yeah. I also wanted to put to you guys, I felt like I didn't really remember the whole hanging out the window stuff. Did that feel more stretched out than Australian television might have led me to believe? No, um, I remember that. Also, I didn't remember Wiggum rubbing the rat's tits all over his teeth to check if, if the cocaine was pure. <laughs> that stood out as new to me. No, that no, I remember. That was definitely there. Criminy. Oh, yeah. And just to clarify, because I've, it's like, you know, Rod and Todd. You, no one's ever sure of who's who, but mm-hmm. that was uh, Louis. Uh, oh, it wasn't Legs? No. Yeah. You, you'd be mistaken because, yeah, the routine that Louis was doing on his legs, mm. he had legs moves like Michael Flatley in this episode. But Oh, yeah. Uh, But what stands out to me, I will say probably the one part of this episode that just didn't quite age. It's not like it aged badly. It's just our ideas of what cons are these days is quite Mm -hmm. different from what's sort of presented here. And it's still sort of when it was mostly about, yeah, comics and comic trading before it was commercial. (laughs) All about Marvel. Mm. Back when it was real nerds. (laughs) Pretty much. But yeah, you know, the panels and trailer reveals and all the spectacle associated. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, a lot of the elements are still there, but I just think a bunch of the jokes were just, I don't know, a bit dusty because of that. They were pretty specific about leaning into Dr. Smith as a child offender. Was that like a thing particularly that I missed? 
No, I was a child I, offender. I knew this bit was coming up where he's all like, you know, if you'd like to be later in the food court, yeah, uh, which I always just took as something nefarious, not necessarily, you know, anything he would have to knock on his neighbor's doors and tell him when he moved to a new house. Oh, you mean because his character was always like kidnapping the kids and things? Well, they hinted at that in the other Simpsons episode when Marge has the dream about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pivotal. It might just be me reading into it. He might just be being a standard antagonist, you know, Scooby Doo villain a, that's style. That's how I always took it. Who knows, man? I, I think like I think that's probably how we were supposed to take it. But in this day and age, it does come off as a little bit more sinister than meet me in yeah. the food court. Mm. <laughs> At least it's in food court, not you know, yeah, like a, a back alley place. or a car. I have to stock up on gaffer tape and chloroform before I bury you in my backyard. Well, as long as he does it eloquently. Yeah. Danger, the danger, verse. Bart Simpson. And of course, the robot doesn't know Bart Simpson's name. How does he know Bart Simpson's name? I mean, the show's been on for 10 years. Orton's Janal Corner. Um, but yeah, this opening crawl as well, whereas a lot of the wackiness took place. How was the wackiness overall in this episode? Honestly, none of it's improbable. It's just unlikely. Like, I well, do like the... Um, mm, what? Homer hanging the mare out the window. Yeah, totally possible. Surprisingly strong. That's a one-hand grip with a toss and a catch. Yeah, mm. I, I do love that. <laughs> Let's shake on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I do feel that our concept of what is wacky has changed mm-hmm. That's <laughs> based on the, the latest Simpsons seasons. Oh, yeah. Wacky is now, you know, a full Ghibli. Yes. Fever dream. And, you know, slightly wacky things like milking rats is. I mean, that's oh, that, that's basically I, yeah, nothing. No, that, that is. So freaking wacky. You just got to remind me of it, you know? Walking into her room where wall-to-wall rats mm-hmm. have been harnessed with tiny little suckers on their teeth. Oh, it's true. I've gotten used to this. And when, the, when the Wiggum just... When, when the Wiggum? When the Wiggum picks the rat up and goes... Chuka, 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 it's pure. How do you test the rat? <laughs> but yeah, all these little tiny mechanisms. I just had myself ask, how is this more cost-effective than cow? <laughs> I was just gonna say, I feel like we've had this conversation before. This has <laughs> got to be more expensive. I mean, even if they went to dog, like I am horrified. It's got to be easier. You promise me, dog or higher. <laughs> How good's your your Quimby? Oh, it's pretty bad, but my JFK is better. <laughs> yes. Nice. Uh, shoot me in the head. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I mean, like. The effort that Fat Tony goes to, like, marketing this product as well, like, making up the packaging with Squeaky Farms Genuine Animal Milk. And, w- like, why did he make himself the poster boy for this? <laughs> he has dreams too, you know, Elliot. Yeah. He really does. you got to build the brand, you know? I see it, like, Pierce. Like, he always, as a little boy, his father was, was picking the other little yeah. boy to be on the brand. I bet there's a yep. whole tragic fat story there, backstory there. That's Pierce from Community for anyone in our uh-huh. audience. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a similar but completely unrelated Pierce from <laughs> your life. My life. <laughs> wow. Um, can I interject and try to get Please. smarty smarty points? Because um, oh, yeah. you mentioned, you know, before we just watched this episode, that there was a bit of a theme, perhaps, mayhaps, mm. to these three. Mayhaps. And I think I've picked it. And I think it's uh, women that are interested in comic book guy, maybe. Maybe, p- mayhaps. We shall see. In because the I did episode. notice that scene. <laughs> All right. I mean, it could still be the title. First we had Married to the Blob, then Mayor to the Mob. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Mm, we'll have to What's see that, that Elliot planning. What could the third episode be? We'll find <laughs> out after this. But yeah, I mean, this was a cute moment, but like, 
I mean, I guess I could go either way on it, but I gotta say, it did feel sort of like I was saying before, dusty and of the era. Mm. That was like snob, and it's Helen Lovejoy. Yeah, yeah, that Helen Lovejoy and Mr. Burns shipped together at last. Oh, Mm. it's gonna be graphic (laughs) and creaky and dusty. (laughs) Speaking of dusty, yep. But yeah, I don't know, you know, because it's just. The chubby girl with the bass says, oh, she's perfect for him all of a mm. sudden. Mm. Like, well, they have the same t-shirt on, so you know they're meant to be. That's like shorthand code mm-hmm. for a relationship. I thought she was really yep. cute, though, because for, you know, there's not that many different types of women, I feel, especially in the early Simpsons, all the women kind of, like, mm. have similar sort of looks to them, where she's got that little different nose and stuff. Mm. And I was thinking as well, because you do notice Uder. Is it Udo? Yeah. It has the Futurama shirt. And I was like, oh, maybe this is yeah. coming in there. Because I feel like Futurama had a lot of a lot more variety, I feel like, in in, in character types. Yeah. They invented mm. more women in the future. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so I feel like maybe there's a little taste of that coming in. But yeah, mm. I, I that was another quotable moment for me. You know, don't try to change me, baby. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> perfect Pull for him. Sweet tarts out of your beard and you're on. Mm-hmm. I was going to look up what sweet tarts are and what they'd look like in a beard. I imagine... And if you could like, identify certain crumbs. I mean, yeah, she, she seems to be able to. I do mm. want to point out, though, that in this scene, he said he's 45, which mm-hmm. is canonically oh, yeah. like a good almost decade older than Homer and Marge. And yet in the That's previous true. episode, yeah. he's like, oh, we're hanging out with our... like." It's so normal in America to like hang out with an older couple. Like They're mm. not older, they're significantly younger. Whoa. Or maybe uh. they're the older couple. Huh. So how old is Time he? Time in the Simpsons. Marty <gasps> Claire's anal corner. Wait, no, don't, don't, <laughs> no, nope, don't put that in. Let's just say Jordan. Let's <laughs> let's stick it with Jordan. Sorry. <laughs> No, two hundred and eleven uh, shows into the mix. It's time time for a change. New, new coat of paint, new anal corner. I'm sorry, I really just don't want to be associated with the word anal like that that openly. I mean, I'm not Jordan, you know. Like, First, did you ever notice this corner? <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. That's much more clean. And that's what sweet tarts look like. I'm just sharing oh. my screen with it. Mm. They're kind so, of like those uh, yeah, Valentine's uh, candies. Yeah, yeah they yeah. look like cheap. What do they call it? Loser candy. From Halloween, yeah, <laughs> like really, yeah, like like chalky. Uh, if, yeah, I was about to say if you took a stick of chalk and cut it up, that's what it looks like. Yeah, they're kind of like those Valentine's hearts that you get that have words on them, basically. Mm-hmm. I think. So how words. she was able to identify words. those in a man's beard? <laughs> Sorry, Maybe they leave like a chalky residue. <laughs> he I, thought you I said, said something wrong. Valentine's candy with worms on them, and I'm like, it's words, it's words. <laughs> what? No, that's just how Claire gets you to take your worm medicine, dude. <laughs> anything, anything that I can it's do. Candy. <laughs> I thought it was like child's version of pate, you know, instead of pate on a jats, have worms on some candy. <laughs> I love Valentine's Worm. Day, don't you guys? <laughs> You're good changing. So, how about the heart of this episode? Uh, did anybody feel the emotional core, the bumps? No. No, I. Uh, but I don't think it was lacking because of that. I don't think it was supposed hmm, to have no. bumps. I, I get there's a bit of emotion in Homer being excited having a new, new job. We've done yeah. that enough times for it to really not have a lot of effect. But, uh, I mean, it's sweet in that way as well yeah. because, yeah, he is still low-fish and buffoon. Louis but... seemed really worried that Fat Tony was mad with him. Yeah, oh, yeah. true. You mad at me, boss? <laughs> well, I mean, as as well, there's a lot of like trying to undercut the mafia in this episode yeah. as well, and especially from Homer. Ooh, I got the mafia mad. What are you gonna do? Go to your godfather? No, I uh, just really wanted to spend some quality time with 
the wife. <laughs> Such a scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really mean it. I just want to stay here at home with <sighs> the wife. <laughs> I actually, there, maybe there was a bit of anti-heart in the fact that he kept, um, oh. you know, sleeper holding his children yeah. and, and wife <laughs> as well. <laughs> That was a jerk-ass moment, but damn, it led to a funny joke, so I really like it. Yeah, it's, it is funny, but yeah. it is so mean. And the <laughs> only thing that I like is that he does get his comeuppance almost immediately mm -hmm. by doing it to himself and then, you yeah. know, knocking Bang himself out. Mm. Oh, no, that sucks. The real comeuppance is that it, it, dinner's not going to be in 30 minutes because yeah, they're no all unconscious on the floor. Yeah, yes. yeah, I've always thought that too. <laughs> it's killing me. Every time since dinner. I was a child, I would sit there and think about that scene. But no, I mean, Hart is, yeah, like you're saying, in the essence that Homer's, yeah, got this new job and he's still his same oafish, buffoonish mm -hmm. and a little bit jerkish itself, but like, he's objectively kind of good at it and he yeah. likes that he's good at it. I do really like the undercut moment at the end where, you know, he fights off uh, Louis and he's like, yes, I did. Oh, and just notices oh. Fat Tony just belting Mayor Quimby with a bat. And he's like, what? Yeah. What'd I do? I like this sequence so much. Like, first of all, the Louis, Louis fight is just really well done and just sort mm -hmm. of... Like, I like when Simpsons and even Futurama sort of do these sequences where they really take advantage of the environment and the whole thing of theming it. Okay, what does a mm. fight in a dinner theater restaurant look like? Mm. I thought yeah. they nailed that. Forks. Yes. Use the forks. And we can't forget that immortal line. The force? <laughs> <laughs> but then they do use the forks in like really clever ways, like where mm. he gets the, uses it a blocking and then yep. doing the tie. Hope he knows yeah. his way around a fork. Yeah, and they're, yeah, the whole elaborate thing, and then, yeah, Fat Tony's just pelting the dude with a bat. Oh, <laughs> Fat Tony. <laughs> I feel like There's that line is in another episode. Is that... It oh, is. Oh, um, I will say, good day to you, sir. Wait a minute. Pre yeah, pretzel yeah. wagon. It's pretzel wagon, yeah. Yes. The mob only did something for me to get something in return. Oh, oh Fat, Fat Tony. Tony. <laughs> I will say, good day, sir. <laughs> it's so good, especially because in both of them, he's like... A little bit chagrined by it you know the yeah. first one with the pretzel car he's like okay i will go like wait a second <laughs> and then this one he was just like what drops the bat immediately and walks away like well that's it man his plans failed and he resorted to just like walking over and beat him up himself it was very the opposite of stealth it, it was the desperate actions of a failure failed attempt well, to me, it sort of feels like he was setting up Homer in a way because, you know, Homer's looking at all these different ways of how mm. he's going to hurt the mayor. Mm. And like, ah, uh, oh, fuck, it's a trope. It has a name. But yeah, to make them go so far in the other direction that they don't see the obviously simple plan lying underneath it. Hit them with a bat. Yeah, should have checked under the table for that bat. <laughs> Although it could just be, you know, he was giving Louis some very clear instructions about how he wanted the mayor dead. He wanted his wife dead. He wanted oh, his yeah. cat and his dog dead. He's like, wait, wait, wait. wait what was before wait. the dog? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, all right, look, I'm just going to have to do this myself. Oh, and then like cut to, you know, from Fat Tony's perspective, two seconds later, <laughs> Louis up on stage dancing yeah. away there. And he's like, want something done right? Beat it with a bat. <laughs> Beat it with a bat. <laughs> but ultimately, did it feel like an episode of The Simpsons to these characters we know and love? Is this a show we know and love? Oh, yeah, well, absolutely it does. Although I would say that Alf wasn't really keeping form. <laughs> Pog form? <laughs> Pog form. <laughs> and many more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
No, it, it's. I think it's very close to being a classic, even though it's not technically a classic era episode. It's very, very quotable. All the characters are pretty much being themselves. They're, like we were talking about before, there is a little bit of that jerk-ass Homer, but it's not so much because it's there for a joke. You know, it's wrapped up in the joke. Mm. Yeah. And it's an excellent, we haven't even spoken about it, but an excellent, like, cameo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so good. Meryl well, Streep as Mark Hamill. <laughs> Incredible that she was able to play such a layered performance. But, yeah, not only playing himself in the episode, but part of a condition of Hamill doing this episode, apparently, was he'd get to play another character as well, like, that just wasn't him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, playing the bodyguard instructor was Mark Hamill. Oh, oh nice. I didn't know. That voice acting talent. Well, I was going to say, because I thought it was John DiMaggio. Yeah, it was very DiMaggio. DiMaggio. So he did the song as well? Yeah, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if this is like the Simpsons writers going, oh, you want to do a character as well, Mr. (laughs) Hamill? Well, (laughs) you can sing I'll Always Love You. (laughs) Yeah, I thought, yeah, Mark Hamill handled it great as well and like sort of feels like this is when he sort of came full circle and was like embracing the whole Star Wars thing again Yeah, after trying to ignore it for some time. But yeah, and... Doing the bodyguard character is such a good showcase for his voice talents, which, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's back in an era when if they were getting a celebrity to, pl- to play themselves, they'd take the piss out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I love him getting off the spaceship and just knocking down cardboard cutouts with a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. And like Wonder Woman just chucked in there and he doesn't even blink twice. My favorite yeah. part of like them taking the piss is, oh, I forgot my lightsaber inside. Oh wait, here it is! Like, <laughs> at, or or pretending that his uh, ankle was twisted. Yeah. Perfect. What what a jerk. Yeah. What a, and yeah, that's sort of the best that it was organic to the episode. You know, it wasn't a what are you doing in here in Springfield, mm-hmm. Mark Hamill. You know, it made sense to the story, and it totally had him made fun of himself, and it was great. Yeah. That he needed to be coddled like a little baby while an oafish man <laughs> kicks a bunch of nerds. Okay, I think Freaking we missed nerds. one of the wackiness scenes which related to him, though, and that was him starring in Guys and Dolls as Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, like, the theatrical promoter was the, the kitchen chef. Yeah. You know, yeah. I haven't got time to argue about this. I've got to go backstage and frost 75 cupcakes. Strawberry, a bunch but, of souffles or something. Shortcakes. Shortcakes, yeah. thank yeah. you. Strawberry up your shortcakes. Yeah, and then manages to find some time to push Louis back out on stage. It's like, And also not recognising any of his actors. So, yeah. <laughs> Pulling double duty is not serving him his play mm. or his shortcakes. Yeah, it's not working in his favour. <laughs> Dinner theatre is a rough business. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yes, and no, I would you watch this episode again? Yes. I can, I have, and I will again. Yes, exactly. Ditto. Awesome. And episodes we want to watch again, we like to think about what playlist they'd go in. What are some other Simpsons episodes that would pair nicely with this one? I believe I've already fielded that. You did. I did. We marked it off the agenda. Mm. It's done and done. It's in the minutes. I I mean, I'd put it again with Star Wars references, like when Homer just outright spoils fucking Jedi. Comic-Cons. Empire. Yeah, Yeah, by Monsai Picon, they've returned to that a couple of times Mm. now. They've, they had a bunch of different cons. You could it'd go well with the with the Venus de Milo, oh, the legitimate businessman's oh, club. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Oh yeah, of course. One of the other guest stars of this episode, Joe Mantegna, once again returning as Fat Tony. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Lost in Space references mix it with that <laughs> Marge's fear of flying. Yeah, yeah, sure. Ooh, it could be uh, Simpsons being targeted by the mob. 
Yeah, that's true. Because there's been a, there's been a Again, couple, there's been a couple where they've been on the wrong side of the shield. Fat Tony. Bart the murderer as well, where they frame yeah. him for Skinner's disappearance. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And yeah, the little guy's not doing anything. You know. When, yeah. <laughs> you could almost sort of do a list of like just a plot episodes. You know. Yeah, true. Because this is one of those sort of where you've got the the Homer story, but nothing much else happens except for the background guys. I mean, it's packed. Yeah, well, I was going to say as well before with feeling like an episode of The Simpsons that, I mean, this is very much a especially teens era Homer show, mm-hmm. but this is the example of doing it good. You know, this is an example uh, of a good Homer show Elliot, and a good celebrity. Superman <laughs> does it good. You do it well. Got you. Where's that shot in the head that I ordered? <laughs> um, back I, in 1968. I, I, I actually like that they didn't go to the effort of trying to cram every Simpsons character, like every mm. Simpsons family member, sorry, into the plot. Like that's mm. something that I think that they do way too much of in the later seasons, like having to get everybody like be involved in the storyline, whether it makes sense or not. I mean, here they even had a, what about Maggie? We've left her behind. Forget Maggie. She's <laughs> gone now. <laughs> like, you know, they're almost ignoring their own family because it doesn't matter. You know, they're there. They're mm. visible, but they don't have to actually be involved. Yep. No, that's right. But, you know, no episode is perfect and we like to look at what we'd change. So, BT, mm-hmm. what would you like to change about Med to the Mop? Uh, that whole training scene is pretty damn quick. And I feel like there's some kind of deleted scene because I like when we go into the berating room Everyone's just splattered with watermelon. It's like, oh, wait, yeah. all their watermelons were intact last. What happened here? So I feel like, again, it must have been cut for time and fair enough. But something's missing there. And a little bit more time spent there would have been fun. But uh, again, I appreciate it's a timing thing. There's not a lot to cut from this episode to free up extra space. That's about that's about all I got. Yeah, true. Danny, what would you like to change? He's right. It's mostly just superficial, isn't it? I wouldn't mind a bit more time in like Fat Tony. I really enjoy just the Fat Tony stuff. And I'd be treeing back the mayor. I don't know why, because he's the whole reason that the storyline's happening. But oh, I don't know. He's just like such a scumbag. He's just, <laughs> I want to spend more time in the joy of the episode. I, I also think like Homer ate Ann Lander's brain today. We haven't even mentioned that. We haven't addressed that in the least. Oh, pair yeah. it with the episode where Ned says she's a boring old biddy. <laughs> Ned. Who's Ann Lander's? <laughs> I don't know. A watermelon. <laughs> Some old watermelon bitty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you change, Claire? Oh, was oh, that it? Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, Claire, what would you like to change about this one? Look, I have to be honest, I really always struggle with changing episodes that I've watched as many times as I've watched mm. this one. It's mm. much easier to sort of rework something that's new and fresh. Because of that, everything seems to work really well and it's really tight. Mm. Look, you know, like The Simpsons watching TV, I, I do like it started. You could cut that. If you wanted to, like, I don't think the joke was particularly necessary. And to be honest, that was one of the parts I didn't really remember was the Titanic. No. Yeah, they the could be Titanic arriving movie. at Bymon Sci-Fi Con. Mm. And then, yeah, like you said, that would have left a bit of more room for more training montage or even the, the scene that was, you know, sort of, I think it was a little bit choppy the way that, you know, Homer discovered that it was rat's milk. He runs to the school, sees the kids there. He runs straight to Quimby. Mm. You know, that was really quick paced. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but they could have made that a bit smoother instead of so many like jump cuts, I think. But that's pretty minor. I would keep it for the uh, milk going through Bart's crazy straw, slowly getting closer to his mouth and just no. As a play on the ticking clock, it's the Mm -hmm. sucking crazy straw. As they say in theatre school. I feel like 
suddenly now that I'm thinking about it, act one, like the motive for him becoming a bodyguard, it doesn't just happen at the mayor's place. It happens at Baimon, Sci-Fi-Con. Yep. Specifically because that's a, a nerdy place that the kids are going to be there playing like with comic books and stuff. To, that's supposed to set up their B-plot where they go off on an adventure because then later on, Fat Tony's corruption has nothing to do with the mayor's house again. It's happening at the school cafeteria where the rats mm-hmm. are being exposed. Surely it should have, like, that's how the kid's B-arc comes back or that's why it's at the school thing, right? Like, it feels like they're setting up a B-arc for the kids. And they could have, but again, time. Yeah, just on that, I mean... Like, clearly the, the setting is at the Baimon Sci-Fi Con so that they can get Mark Hamill in the episode. And then they don't just throw it away, that they bring him mm. in again at the final act is what really works for me here and sort of justifies that. And then having the mayor there, like, yeah. it makes sense. But also it does feel like we're getting an extra step removed where, like, you could do the thought experiment of, like, okay, if either Hamill or Quimby was out of this episode, then could you, like, sort of flesh out some of these bits that were a bit more substantial? Because, like, the main crux of, like, what I don't like about this episode, and it's not that I hate it or anything, it's just I feel like all the stuff in the Bimon sci-fi con is just it's a little dusty. It's Yeah, completely forgettable. Yeah, C-3PO and R2-D2 are gay. I mean, it's yep. wonderful yeah. observation there. And yeah, like I said, some more of the sort of dated nerd humour around that. Like you said, Claire, it's hard to sort of pick apart this episode that I've seen a lot. And sort of following on from what you were saying, Shag, is like, yeah, I wonder what removing one of these bigger elements in the episode could do to affect it positively. I do have actually two notes. Firstly, jumping back to um, Beige, your idea of it being like a really slow, like curly straw situation with yeah. the, with the milk. It could have been taken a step further to be a little bit of like a bodyguard joke in the sense of why the kids stick like a water pistol into the milk. They're like, hey, Bart, you know, and then <laughs> yeah. like they jump out. So I we thought that, that would be something. We do know jump in front of a bullet. Yeah, if you had yeah, a bit of extra time. And also talking about the C-3PO versus the Cylons um, wrestling match. It makes me think of the Futurama episode with uh, Bender doing wrestling as well. And then he becomes Mm -hmm. the gender bender. Like, this is a big theme with... (laughs) Yeah, gay robots getting the crap kicked out of them in a wrestling match. Like, is is wrestling a particularly homophobic... As a fan of wrestling, I can say, historically, yeah. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. The sport where grown men play pretend fight and oil up has weirdly got a homophobic streak in it. <laughs> well, see, you yeah. have to be the openly... The irony is not lost. <laughs> you have to be openly homophobic because otherwise it's a little bit Grecian, you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think even Futurama even has, when they're announcing when Bender becomes the gender Bender, I think he's got a line of like, he's here to challenge your comfort zone or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They even play into it, so... But no, I, I can see what you mean. Like, the jokes are generally pretty dusty and i mean even the whole concept of cons being you know just for nerds but when you actually look at it most of the town is there yeah Mm. like so like what are you trying to say here like they're all nerds claire they're all nerds the whole town nerds everywhere just beaten up there's like four people who just beat up everybody else (laughs) (laughs) whether you're a frink or a willy you're a nerd yep that's not how you have wing. I was waiting for Shag to jump on that because I've heard yeah, him yell that plenty of that's times. That's not how you've wing stuck with me. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that tight t-shirt on him though, like I do love Willie out of his like normal. Hey. Yeah, no, but like out of his normal outfit, he's always Ooh, looking so up, ripped. Woman. Like yep. good for him. So we'll put this in the playlist for ripped Willie. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, it's time for our final notes. Um, Still uh, thinking about Ripped Willy, sorry. <laughs> the unfortunate sequel to Free Willy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, as well, I forgot to mention it. The other guest star of this episode was Dick Tuffeld. That's not a real name. Dick Tuffeld yeah. was playing the robot from Lost in Space. BT, any other notes you want to mention before we rank it? You know, we're here to talk about The Simpsons, but we're also here to talk to you about Sprint. You could <laughs> save 17 cents a month over more dependable providers. Uh, mm. I just love that entirely. The only note of real wackiness I had, because this is where my brain is these days, is that uh, the like bodyguarding structure ha- has like a portable grassy knoll from which he's shooting at the watermelons. Oh. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Forgot about that uh, one. That's that, a good one. Yeah. Uh, when Homer's first a uh, bodyguard, he's like, watch out, Marge, cat. No, I love that as well. That's like, yeah, the Homer heart of it all is like, he's mm. so excited for his new job that he's doing it all around the house. And yeah, it's like, exactly. The pig is in the poke. <laughs> what a new nickname. Uh, and then just a Quimby's quick honk at that broad. I don't know. It's terrible. And I think it's funny. Oh, man. I'm completely satisfied with how that went. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, that whole bit of like, what do you expect to happen? You whistle at a woman out yeah, the window. Yeah. What, what's the point? And this is what the point is. It's the other side. It's like, oh, I'm so happy with how that went. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. When he's getting all the change, it's like, and the classic line of went to Krusty Burger and the mayor got some more change and I ordered the double, but they gave me the double, 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 double. So yeah, I never knew it. Apparently this was an in and out reference. And I was so disappointed to find out that the actual double, double is just a double hamburger with double cheese. That's where the double, double comes from. Even more disappointed to find out that once I left in and out burger, I was like, that was okay. You apparently mm. have to order off menu. You didn't The menu know? isn't the menu. Nope. Oh, did you at least get like animal fries or whatever they are? No, I got their boring bad chips. Oh, you, you just got to start yeah, saying double, 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 because you know they're counting that. Oh, I totally would have. Like it was, like it was fine. I like when I had it, I was like, this isn't any better than the best Hungry Jacks I've had. Mm-mm, I mean, mm-mm. so what you're saying is you ordered the double, double, and got toil and trouble. Hey, Shakespeare, motherfuckers. Do you have any other notes? <laughs> uh, six queens. Wait, hold it. Seven queens. Yep. Fat Tony and Louie playing the famous card game, uh, A Lot of Queens. Too many queens, yeah. Too uh, many queens. Uh, there's Yes Guy before he was terrible. This is the first oh. appearance of Yes Guy. Yes. Know, before he was terrible. I had a stroke. Yeah, I mean, classic. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, having no idea really who this character is referencing. Mm. And, like, because, yeah, we're nearing the run of the Simpsons Index. We're almost caught up with all the first 19 seasons and just how much Yes Guy has been used as a trope. And it's like, wow, the joke didn't get better than this, did it? No. Like, this was the most you would ever get out of that concept. And because it was so strange on the initial watch, that's why it became popular. Yeah. But then they returned to him. Like, this is not something you can return to ever and have it still be funny. It's a punchline without a joke. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he made it's a funny sound is, is the depth of that, that comedy. He made a funny sound. <laughs> on the other hand, I would prefer a nondescript briefcase to a sack with a dollar sign on it. <laughs> now that's comedy. Yeah, parrot where Mo gets his laundry done. <laughs> uh, it's just his laundry, Elliot. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and finally is, uh, oh, you idiot, that's the kiss of death. Ooh, let me do it again, make sure I got it right. <laughs> I really do love Homer in this episode. I think this is like peak teens homer that's good yeah oh i'm not worried but can you start daddy's car oh, this was a joke yes. that when i was a kid <laughs> yeah i didn't i get didn't it. get it and my brothers burst out laughing and i i had that moment of wait what 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 does it mean what like yeah i'm like I don't know, is it dirty 12 at time <laughs> yeah yeah 
Mm. But we're not going to explain what it means. <laughs> nice you were protected from mob violence at such a young age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and my final note is, I agree with Quimby, gratin potatoes are a quality side. Mm. <laughs> Let's rank this thing. BT, why don't you go first? I'm going to sit with a nice, pleasant silver. I got some good jokes in this. Uh, some of it has gotten a bit dusty with age. To be fair, that's not really the show's fault, but... Even then, some of the jokes in the Comic-Con I completely forget exist because there's not really much to them. But I do love the opening and the journey is a lot of fun. And there's so many quotable lines in this. So I'm going to sit with a nice, pretty silver. All right. And Danny, what do you reckon? You know, I'm actually going to go for a gold. I don't think it's an incredible gold, but I think it's made a huge contribution to like Simpsons language and culture. Simpsonics. Yeah, I don't think you can be a Simpsons listener without seeing this one, just in in terms of keeping up with everyone else's jokes. So from that perspective, if like a cubic is a crucial, you have to see it, then mm. this one, I'm pumping it up to the gold there. Gold, baby. You Pumpin betcha. You betcha, baby. All right. Uh, oh, uh, I don't know. Um, Claire, mm. you go. Oh, okay. Uh, look, I was thinking gold from the start because I really have liked this episode. Like I've always liked this episode. It's not perfect, like you said, and I actually don't think it's something that we all need to see, so that's why it's not a cubic. It's it's like a gut mm. thing. I just think it's really, really good, but I don't know. I wouldn't instantly recommend this as like, yes, this is one of the ones that you have to see mm. if you're watching The Simpsons, but it's so enjoyable to me. All right, and because silver or gold, either way, won't affect the final scores, this will be a dull gold. I will just be the nice judge and go gold. Yeah, the word dusty I keep bringing up, and it still has that feeling, but this was a very pleasant time, and I still would say it ranks among the excellent episodes of Season 10, Mm -hmm. which we have now done! Season 10 is in the bag! So. Gas is taping the folds of her corpse. (laughs) (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) So yeah, season 10 is done. It earned an average ranking of a shiny silver. Hmm. And it'll likely go down as our ninth best season as well. One ranks slightly worse than uh, a couple of the teens era seasons, but Mm. not by much. That makes sense. And season 10, uh, we had a season high of I'm with Cupid. That's the Mm -hmm. Apu list, the help of Elton John to help him with uh, Mm -hmm. Mandula problems. I like that episode too. I think we're all on that one. And yeah, Mm. season highs as well with Wild Bart's Can't Be Broken, the We Know All Your Secrets, that one. Mm. Mm -hmm. That is a strong Yeah, some other season highs, Bart the Mother, Treehouse of this season, all good stuff. Uh, But the season low was uh, Make Room for Lisa, which uh, that was an episode I was surprised how bad that was on the rewatch. Which Um, one's that one? Homer gets into debt with Omnicorp and then gives Lisa's oh, room away for a yeah, cell tower. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The centerpiece stuff is difficult on the old coconut. And so that stuff's all fun, but like just throughout the episode, he's so belligerently horrible to Lisa. And then in the end, Lisa's like, oh, I'm a jerk to dad. And not at one point in the episode is she a pain in the ass to Homer. It's like, you're just watching this girl end up gaslighting herself. Mm. It's, yeah, it's very sad. Mm-hmm. Other than that, season 10's quite yeah. reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> had fun yeah, reviewing fun it. There. And if you want to check out that spreadsheet, you can go to thesimpsonsindex.com. Yes. So much useful information. Sounds like such a good website. Hmm. Well, yeah, we are just ticking off the seasons. I think that's our seventh season that we've completed now. Um, Only 400 more to go. 
Okay, only halfway there. All right, well, that means we should move on to the classic era. And so now we are getting to the distant, far-off land of Season 4, where we're going to review... <gasps> Marge gets a... Dog? Monorail. Think about the other... No, Marge doesn't get the monorail. She's first thing. Marge gets a job! Marge gets a gun! Yay! I thought That's it was going to be Marge gets a mob. Yeah! <laughs> Marge gets married to the large and in-charge barge what? <laughs> I don't know because we're doing married to the mob and married to the blob yeah so yeah. episode three would be I got it sweetie yeah all right we're gonna go watch that we'll be back <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> it's just air escaping the folds of her corpse Woo! can you stop talking <laughs> the folds of my corpse please <laughs> And we are back, and we just watched our classic and final episode of the evening. This was Season 4, Episode 7, Marge Gets a Job. First released in November of 1992, it was directed by Jeff Lynch, written by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. In this episode, Marge gets a job at the nuclear power plant. <gasps> and then Mr. Burns harasses her. Hey, y'all, what do wow. we think? You know, for a show about workplace harassment, it was delightful. <laughs> Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it, which means I'm probably going to be getting a letter from my HR rep tomorrow. Mm. So you found this woman's discomfort funny, did you? Well, see, that's the thing. I, I think I, it wasn't about her discomfort. Like no, it, it, no. it was, you know, surprisingly punching up, if you know what I mean. So it aged quite well compared yeah, yeah. to a lot of other things that would have, you know, dealt with the same topic. Mm. No, absolutely. And, you know, so many of these issues -y episodes that we like, well, this was clearly written by white men. I mean, sure yeah, this was, but like, I'm impressed. And especially <laughs> for 1992 white men. Yeah, it's not about... Marge, which is, sounds bad, but more <laughs> that she doesn't know what's going on in the background yeah. until she say, knows. For a white man to say about a feminist episode. It's not a feminist <laughs> episode. <laughs> I think I was just about to say exactly what you're saying, Beej, which is she doesn't know she's being harassed, basically yeah. speaking. Not until like the very last second. It's all very much mm. non-sexual, I suppose. And she's just like, oh, this is nice. I'm getting gifts. Oh, this is yes. nice to be out of the house. I just wanted to give you the orchids and fragrant bath oils I bestow on all my employees. <laughs> exactly. She's pretty chill about it. So I think... You know, you don't have to see her being uncomfortable. That'll be a very different episode. Which makes it much more watchable. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting thing that it explores, you know, how does Marge thrive in the same workplace as her husband? And it's like, much more than he does. But <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, she is given uh, some opportunity that... Well, I feel like you're trying to say something, Elliot, there. And I don't know what you're trying <laughs> to say. Trailed. That Mr. Burns uh, noticed her and is trying to curry her favour. Mm. I mean, she definitely got promoted for the wrong reasons, but yeah, and I mean, she got hired for the wrong reasons too. <laughs> but no, she points out that like, yeah, Homer's like, oh, why don't I get promoted? And she's like, dude, I came to see you three mm -hmm. times today. Twice you were napping, and the other time you were kicking around a ball of electrical tape. Yep, that's work. <laughs> How is uh, <laughs> your electrical tape ball league going there? Uh, no, it's very simple. It's called a warehouse ball. What you do is get packing plastic, wrap it as tight as you possibly can, then get the uh, tape gun and wrap that as tight as you can. It gets a surprising amount of bounce out of it. Uh, look, I show a lot of the younger employees who don't know how to goof off properly. Oh, right. I'm a manager, by the way. <laughs> I'm supposed to be quelling this kind of behavior. Instead, I'm making sure they're doing it properly. As long as they're not involving a forklift, right? Exactly. Forklift must be taken very seriously. 
along with the electric pallet jack that can hurt you, I want you to go home safe. The ball of electrical tape is your version, your job's version of the funny hat day. <laughs> oh, man. They tried having... morale up. <laughs> no, okay. The fun thing about my work, they got rid of uniforms about a year ago and then recently tried to have a... Wear a wacky T-shirt day. It's like, I can do that any day. Like, you can wear a band T-shirt day. It's like, I do that almost every... Yeah. Half my wardrobe is band T-shirts. But this time they want you to do it, you know? I this know, time it's, it's a piece so... of flair. So your shirt was... is dirty. In a way, it's mm. their shirt now. I know, man. It was just so fun to watch two bits of, you know, corporate fun collide in such a hilarious way. That's me. Anyway, back to you, Elliot. Oh, sorry. No, no, Claire. Like, I had a finger Oh, no, no, no. There, I was talking about random shit. I just wanted to ask... If men have the same issue with once you wear something to work, it's dead to you forever as like a going out oh, item. It's a work shirt now. It becomes a work shirt and you never want to see it again in your sort like, casual of, I wardrobe. I would wouldn't say that. I would just say there are some that are like, yeah, this is work. We're fine for work. Mm. And some I'm like, nah, you're special. You're, you're, you're my relaxing clothes. <laughs> Yeah, there's a definite progression, I think, where, mm. you know, you buy something nice and you're like, oh, I'm only going to mm. wear you special places. And that's like, <laughs> oh, I can, you know, I can just wear you to see friends. That's okay. And then eventually it comes, you know, work clothes and work. then it goes in the bin. No, no, no. no you, got there's this a pajama one. stage a after that. Jack-o'-lantern. That, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Once it's, it's at work, you don't want to take it to bed with you. Or, uh, there's a work <laughs> shirt and there's like around the house sh shirt. And then there's like pajama shirt. And then eventually you just hold it up out in the window and go. Yeah, it disintegrates. Like Golden Boy. So I was just going to say, the shirt I've got now says, uh, it's a picture of a jack-o'-lantern that says empty inside. And I wear that to work when I'm like, fuck this place. <laughs> Jesus. Mm. Once mm. Golden Boy says Olden Bow, it's time to let him go. <laughs> Beautiful, man. Beautiful. But yeah, uh, the questionnaire. Danny, we'll start with you. Why not? Uh, what stands out to you from this episode, for better or worse? You know that dream where you're lying in bed and they fly in through the window? Has anyone had this dream? <laughs> God, I wish. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I... I'm having it right now, so you've been reading my journal, haven't you, sir? You've been picking peeps at pimpy peoples. Uh, I didn't, I, that didn't go as well. No, okay, so this is one of these ones, just moving right along, where I feel like I know that I've seen this clip like 40 more times yeah. than I've seen this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this one became the 138th culture. special or whatever. Yeah, and it's beautiful like the music's mm. perfect the angles the look oh, yeah. on his face as he flies in through the window and, and smithers goes ah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah apparently uh some parents groups or whatever complained about this scene because apparently smithers has an erection in this moment but is it his knee like in the little mermaid oh, it is his knee like in just like the little you have mermaid. To remember, parents groups are a bunch of repressed perverts and they think everything is yeah. sexy you see the fold on the blanket right here if you squint really hard you can imagine there was a penis underneath it but there's not as a blanket it's all they've drawn as a blanket but you know it's there he's naked under that bam okay I was, uh, that was a good one I'm gonna use that in a we'll, we'll sample that later anyway the main point is uh, release the erection cut um, <laughs> re re release the erection <laughs> So it's a sort of interesting angle of this episode that I guess doesn't really go super explored is, yeah, Marge's sort of usurping of Smithers' role in this. Yeah, I feel like they didn't have time. This is a very packed episode. Arguably, you mm. could cut Bart's B-plot, but that is a lot of fun. That's true. Again, because she doesn't know it's happening, it would kind of suck to have that be a plot point of, like, Smithers resenting her and her having no idea. You just feel really bad for her. Enough bad things are going to happen to Marge in this one. Let's not compound that. 
Yeah, and I, I think I'd just be doing the same grounds that they did in Simpson and Delilah, which we reviewed a couple of weeks ago on the Simpsons Index, hmm. where Homer starts getting all the advantages because of hair. Because of his hair up there. It's true. Anywhere with hair at this power plant is just killing it. Mm. Claire, what stands out to you from this episode, for better or worse? Uh, I'm actually going to go with a worse, because it is a classic episode. Ooh. We don't Ooh. often have a worse one. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. we could have ditched the Lenny forgetting that it was, you know, not the Western day, it was the 50s day, and the A... <laughs> It wasn't that funny. It wasn't that funny. It didn't make me really. Even the clip of him clearly riding off on a like a motorbike that he got specifically for fifties day. Yeah, yeah. There was the commitment, and I get it. But yeah. like, this is a very jam packed episode. Surprisingly, and there's lots of jumping around, and I just don't think that joke really like it could have been left on the on the draft. As someone who works in an office, I'm surprised because that to me was a big speak of like trying to have fun in the workplace and how it often fucks up because it's fucking stupid. I prefer yeah. the little taste of hat day and then the <laughs> throwback to hat day where you know yeah. they're fighting off oh well, they're trying to fight for their donuts. <laughs> yeah. I think that was yeah. enough. That was enough. I got yeah. it. Yeah. Anyone else want to be a hero? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's John so good. Was so, so active. That was great. Now, to me, this is sort of, this was an interesting episode to revisit, especially now that, yeah, we're so close to the end, is that season four, I feel like, indulged a lot of this sort of sketchy sort of humor, mm. like, especially yeah. in March versus the Monorail or something like that. And this episode sort of has a few hints of that, and that, like, to me, is a moment of it. And especially with, like, the Simpsons early, like, real overvaluing of happy days as well i feel <laughs> i can see what you mean because yeah that was just a bit like lame uh, he's going hey he's hey, doing the thing yeah. yeah but the writers grew up in the fonzie generation it's not yeah, yeah that's it this would have been much more you know punchy 30 years ago <laughs> god that's mm. barely even an exaggeration Ugh. first uh, released in november of 1992 which we are one year away from this being 30 years yeah. old anyway can, can anyone else just hear sound of silence playing <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Oh, that, that disturbed song? <laughs> no, fuck no. I hate you so Get much. Get out of here, millennial. <laughs> <laughs> BT, what's a moment from this episode sends out to you for better or worse? Um, I'd like to visit Claire's. Did you ever notice this corner where we actually have two of them in an ep in a classic episode? And I am shocked. Shocked. And I'm actually not that shocked. Uh, there's a bit where Homer's hat on Silly Hat Day. First of all, it's just Bart's red hat. And I do like that as a joke. But later on, in the very next scene, it's blue. And oh. then also uh, when Willie tears off his shirt to f wrestle the wolf, it's just back on again when he's wrestling the wolf. It's like, come on, people. God. Yeah, keep yeah, it together, guys. And when Mrs. Krabappel is writing on the chalkboard um, and then Bart comes in after the wolf mauls him, yep, the chalk writing on the board just disappears. Ooh. <sighs> yeah, man, this is chalk at a public school. It doesn't actually write anything. It just makes the sound. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, uh, of course, we get to put this in the playlist of Ripped Willy. I think yes. we're talking God, about that in the other segments. So ripped. That Willy is muscular. <laughs> and greased. Greasy Willy. Yeah, okay. You know, I'm so he, fighting a wolf. This is one of my favorite Willy scenes, to be honest. Oh, I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> this is one of my they favorite Willy scenes. Put down that It's time for the main course. Yeah, this one <laughs> greased me up. It's like top shelf Willy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but what stands out to me for better or worse, um, the thing that kicks off this story, the <laughs> Simpsons slanty shanty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a way to sort of kick off the episode. You know, we often talk about, it's kind of sad, but we prefer the storylines when the Simpsons aren't just inexplicably rich and they're a family with yeah, struggles absolutely. and stuff. And 
And watching it this time, I was just like, shit, man, what the fuck do you do? Where do you pull well, 10k from? You get Troy McClure's half-assed foundation repair. <laughs> that seemed like a pretty thorough look into how you do that. Though. Yeah, I know, right? If he had a pause button and knew how to Google what all of those words meant back in 1992. <laughs> yeah. Google? But then, like with all do-it-yourself, you end up spending way more materials mm-hmm. having to redo the fuck-ups that you yeah. do. Yeah. And yeah, just hire somebody. What I like about this is that there's actually like a dollar value on how poor they are. Like they've mm. got $500 in the bank. You know, you don't hear yeah. that yeah. very often in, I think, any episode. Man, you really know just how short they are yeah. on, on trying to cover this. That's something you don't see in any like, like Family Matters or mm. All in the, or Full House or, you know, any of those things where there's a whole family that always ambiguous about how they can afford where they're living mm-hmm. or how they're doing day to day. And I think that takes a bit of bravery to just say, you know what? These guys are poor. What the fuck did Danny Tanner in Full House do to afford the house that big on a single income? What the fuck? If you want to be really mad, watch like Home Alone as an adult and try to work out (laughs) how they afforded all those children and that Mm -hmm. fucking house and all these holidays that they're taking. (laughs) Oh, I don't have any kids and I still have no money. I have three money and no kids. I have no kids, no money. Cats are kids. Yeah, they actually do take a lot of money here, but they Mm -hmm. don't earn anything. There's never going to be a time where they, you know, hit 18 and they can go and get a job. Start supporting you. We throw them into the coal mines and start paying (laughs) off. Yeah, but this whole intro is great. And of course, this is a Troy McClure episode. It's actually a double Mm -hmm. Hartman. This has got two oh, heart yeah. It does. God you bless get Troy him. and Hutz. But yeah, and I love the video and all that. And they researched the terms and made sure that mm-hmm. they referenced, yeah, how you do fix a foundation thing. <laughs> and love it. Just, yeah, Homer's back and forth with the tape, like <laughs> yep. arguing with the tape, telling it to stop and wait a second. Mm. You have plugity plug? I don't know. Do you have extruded polyvinyl foam insulation? <laughs> Assemble the aluminum J channel using self furring screws. <laughs> and if you can't find meadow stock, suck that. And if Carbon you can't fiber find metal stucco, stucco lab is like, fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So good. Play count. Have you seen this episode? Has it been a while since you've seen this episode? It actually has been quite a while since I've seen it, but I have seen it many and sundry. Yeah, yeah, same. And same again. That's a trifecta. I think we win something, Elliot. Woo! You get to take home this brand new Stucco Lab. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, a Stucco Lab to call my own. Wait, is it carbon fiber or metal? (laughs) Uh, Both. It's a sampler pack. Brought to you by Stucco Lab. The only lav that you'll ever gav the blav. Give me that. <laughs> Give me that microphone. No more from you. Uh, wackiness. How was the wackiness in this episode? Surprisingly down key for most of it until suddenly mm. it wasn't. When yeah, there's a fantastic little cluster I've got here. Cluster uh, Yeah, the whole bit where it's like, don't worry, baby, the tube will know what to do, and it ends up being just a beaver dam, a pharmacist that carries leeches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the secret MVP of this episode, Grandpa. I reckon, in Grandpa, yeah. Oh, yeah. His listing of, like, old-timey ailments and the whole zoom in, closer, closer. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I just found that list. Do you have Dropsy, The Grip, Scopula, The Vapors, Jungle Rut, Shanty Fever, Poor Man's Gout, Housemaid's Knee, Climactic Booba, The Staggers, Dum Dum Fever? <laughs> <laughs> I've got Dum Dum Fever. <laughs> But yes, yes, the security camera zooming in and smacking Marge in the face. Great implied Simpsons joke there that, yeah, we didn't need to see the other side of it. Nope. 
just imagining, yeah, the security camera on a boom or something, just yeah, I'm smacking nodding. her in you the face. I'm nodding. You can see, you guys at home can't see me nodding, but I'm nodding. They can feel <laughs> you nodding. Nod, 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 nod. Wasn't that one of our early bits that we had to say when we were nodding? nodding. Yeah, that was like, you know, first 10 episodes kind of shit. Wow. Available okay. now. Back when we still had mustard in the house. Um, back on yeah, this episode sort of feeling like a bit of a sketch show at times, like Bart's imagining of Marie and Pierre Curie. Is that his mm-hmm. name? Yeah, that was a bit wacky, but it was him imagining, so I don't know if it counts as whack. I did like the mm. little touch in that scene where they've got, you know, the Japanese people fleeing from the, you know, Godzilla reference monsters yeah. and they don't match the voice up yeah, properly. Yeah. Like, so it looks overdubbed badly. Mm-hmm. I love that. I never noticed that before. No, oh, yeah. totally. I suppose the whole Timberwolf mm-hmm. storyline sort of is wacky. By the way, while we're on that, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with mm-hmm. sort of an episode about female workplace. Mm-hmm. Like having a second storyline about victims not being believed seems like a weird place to stick it. <laughs> Don't think that was the parallel they were right? intending. Right? However, that went somewhere I didn't expect it to go. Yeah. I'm proud Same of you. Dan. Valid I'm not going to lie. I thought you were going to babble incoherently for about a minute. <laughs> <and> <laughs> that's still going to happen. <laughs> But no, well landed. Um, I guess the difference here being... So I think I've killed Claire. <laughs> She's just jumper face now. I forgot what I was I saying. I was Smack you in the studio. Thank <laughs> you so much. God damn it. Don't throw it at me. I got nothing. <laughs> no, we, can, we can chop this out later, right? No. We no. can't chop everything out. We need it's to have some sort of... Yeah, I know. It was a valid point. We, I mean, real, realistically, this is probably the worst episode for... A B story that I loved, but mm-hmm. I think it is sort of, even though it's about a child playing with belief and trust, I think it's a mm-hmm. really strange place to put that. Well, yeah. it's, it's a good thing, surprisingly, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, that's surprisingly poignant. That's the point. Because it's only until the end where he's collapsed on the floor from wolf injuries that she, you know, pokes him with a mm-hmm. stick and goes, oh, no, oh, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> realizes yeah. it's true. Although I suppose the flip side of that was that he actually was lying the whole time so that's probably not great (laughs) that's what i was going to say these aren't parallels these are opposites so one is more the shadow of a constant harassment that never gets believed which is all true versus a pretend harassment that doesn't get believed until it's real so uh they're antithesis of each other rather than the opposite of that well, there, I was going to say that as much as I love the B story, it could be very easily snipped from this yeah, episode. Yeah, I dare you to snip it now. <laughs> Nothing yeah. to do with it, but like, there you go. <laughs> you found something that it has to do with it. And, you know, it's, it's got to do with, you know, both parents not being home and they need to have grandpa there, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, on the other side, it doesn't feel like it is really part of the episode. Like, I kind of forgot, like, going into this one that it even existed in this episode. Mm-hmm. I think you mispronounced the word feel. <laughs> you know, sorry i've been hearing it the same way for the last five years what do you expect that's fair enough <laughs> um all right well let's uh get on to the feel but first we'll go to the heart how was the heart of this episode i think i felt it you know mm-hmm. like marge being sort of she's bored at home and my life is kind of boring and lonely and empty and going yep. to work for a, for a shitty job might even might be a step up for me yeah, not only that sworn, i can help pay for the yeah i could have sworn there was a, a scene where homer's like uh you don't have to go to work anymore and she's like we could still use it did i i'm half awake right now did that happen or not it didn't happen this time for me yeah so i could have sworn that existed 
was that when she has another job, like a police officer or something? Because she does that. Yeah, I know she does it somewhere, and I really thought it was this yeah. one. Erotic baker. Yeah, it's weird because now I'm conflating mm. the grifting one where it's like, Dad, you already fixed the car. Why do you need to keep grifting? But mm-hmm. like, anyway, Marge gets a job. You know, this episode's titled off it, but it happens a few more times down the road. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. I'm sure she could do like a Homer-style rant of the many things that she's <laughs> been since. It's true. Cop, popsicle stick artist. Yep. Erotic uh, baker. Erotic baker. Erotic baker. Erotic novelist. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. The harpooned heart. Wow. And speaking of the heart, I think it's really lovely how Homer Zen. comes to what a segue. her defense at the end of the episode. Oh, just see that like a professional. Ah, oh, beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> no, look, we don't get it often, but uh, he really stands up for her in the face of daunting terror that is Mr. Burns and his absolute control over everything. Especially when, you know, he fired Marge like that and Homer yeah. has, you know, nothing to stand on. Mm. Also, we do get a direct visual on Mr. Burns's beating heart in this episode. So, mm. I mean, that's got to have some, like, partial credits. Heart. The sound effect is so uncomfortable. <laughs> just like... His heart is raising like a jackanthrope. Jackalope. Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Snap. Well played. Good game. I think at first I was, I suppose, not feeling the heart between Homer and Marge because Homer was doing that typical boomer joke of, oh, but God forbid I saw my wife more often. Yeah. Mm. But once she actually starts the job, he's the one coming around and like sitting on her desk and mm. come on, let's go to lunch. Like, let's do this. Yep. And I like that. I thought that was nice, even though. Yeah, it wasn't hiding from her or anything. Yeah, no, like it was, you know, played for laughs initially, but he obviously clearly liked having her around. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I just thought that end scene was his lawyers run away. Mr. Mm-hmm. Burns has yeah, flexed all of his power and his like, he just goes for broke and yeah. it's lovely. You love her too. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I like that moment of realization for Burnsy. Like that is surprising yeah. amount of empathy for the guy. Yeah, but then it goes back to that whole, oh, she does still have value because another man cares about her. <laughs> like you could just nah. stop torturing her because... Because, you, know, you know, she doesn't deserve it. Like, it's fucking burns. But, it you is know. Burns. That's a, that, Look, that's fair. You can't... You're supposed to just stop obsessing because she says no. That's enough. It doesn't mm. mean that... Not just because another man already owns this trophy. But it did lead to a nice moment with Homer and Marge. Yeah. Completely. Drive through, through and doing it twice. Tom Jones for <laughs> Christmas. Merry Christmas. Have a Tom Jones. Oh, speaking of which, how good was the fucking... Citizen Kane musical Citizen number. Citizen Kane slash White Stripes. <laughs> yes. Slash White Stripes. Oh, they did a solid cover of Citizen Kane. Union Forever off, uh, yeah, one of them. Oh, okay. Good song. I had no idea this was a parody of this until, like, mm-hmm. too recent, but I only saw Citizen Kane, like, last year anyway, so. Oh, man. In the middle of, like, a farewell party mm-hmm. for Frank Grimesy or whoever, to suddenly <laughs> burst in a song about Monty Burns. What is his name? <laughs> it's Monty Burns! That's Mr. Burns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a fucking a point at how like lapdoggy Smithers is, right? Mm-hmm. He's just yeah. desperately licking at his shoes. What an opportunity to sing a song for Mr. Burns, someone else's retirement party. And then, like, I mean, there's the sad part of the heart of him, you know, mm-hmm. this poor old guy trying to reapply for his job. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's truly, truly tragic. Yeah. But funny. In the spruce caboose, <laughs> many said it was too big to stay on the track. Oh my right. god, they were right. No, and then they have like the novelty headless conductor as the costume. Ah, <laughs> which I've just noticed is a very Howard Hughes reference, which I think part of Citizen Kane is based off of. So there you go. 
Mm. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure it's Howard Hughes wanted to build like a really big uh, airplane that was mostly like plywood and they were all like, this is never going to take off the ground. It's too heavy. And the senators were like, we gave you all this defense money to build this project and it's bullshit. Who then sued him, called it the Spruce Moose as a mocking joke. Henceforth, Spruce Caboose. And later on, uh, the airplane, the Spruce Moose. Hop mm. in. He's dead. Right. Give points to Beach. Everyone send the man cigars. Is that, I, I don't know what you do when you get a thing right. Uh, diets. You get a uh, lathe. <laughs> oh, free sucker lathes <laughs> all around. And ultimately, did it feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Oh my, yes. This is one that there's maybe not a whole lot of depth to the plot, but man, does it just rocket by and it's a good time. It was mm. gorgeous. I like, it was a rollicking romp, even when it was heartfelt or sad. Yeah. The real kind of note I made on this one is that every aspect has a joke. Like the venue they go to for the retirement party has a joke. The guy who gets into forced mm. retirement comes back as a joke. Like every single aspect of this has some kind of comedy element to it, if not mm. stacked on like six high. And that's why it works because it mm. could be... It would be tragic otherwise, right? I don't know. Oh, yeah, for Let sure. Let me find out. <laughs> no, but like it could be sort of seen as like falling into that trap of the more recent episodes, which is we've got to cram in every Simpsons person, yep. like get as many characters in here. But we even have that crusty scene, which mm-hmm. is yes. actually like it's amazing. Like it's an amazing little <laughs> scene, but it works because they're actually jokes and they're actually funny. Mm-hmm. Odd. Like yeah. if that's that's how the Timberwolf gets involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's it, yeah. there's purposeful jokes as well, not just one-liner throwaways, and mm-hmm. you do nothing with it. Yeah. By the way, guys, Boy Who Cries Wolf getting attacked by Timberwolf at the end doesn't yeah. that just feel sweet? How often do you get to pull that card at the end of your Boy Who Cries Wolf game? But even to the point where Bart's the English essay he's doing is on Ivanhoe, and he goes, Ivanhoe is about a Russian farmer and his tool. And I'm his like, tool, because I have a hoe. I'm... <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. That's right. They could have thrown anything in there, but they found another way to like just subtly slide in a joke. They didn't beat you over the head with it. There's no wasted line. There's not one wasted mm. line of dialogue. Uh, Ivanhoe is a romance novel. Uh... Yeah, by the uh, Sherlock Holmes dude. Ah, there you go. Yes. I should have just consulted you rather than Wikipedia. I consulted Wikipedia. Oh, fair enough. I just, I just did it before the episode. <laughs> so smart. So sweet. I just took Bart's word on it. Dude, yeah, we just yeah. cut all this shit out and then like you can make it sound like you're the king. Mm. Just um, <laughs> yeah. auto-tune Beach's voice so it sounds like yours, Elliot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. This is my point. <laughs> right down left. <laughs> mm-hmm. Damn, Elliot was right again. <laughs> and everybody else was a bunch of clowns. What a bunch of, bunch clowns. of clowns. How do you keep up with the times like that? <laughs> but yes or no, would you watch it again? Yes. Yes. In fact, I think I respect this one a lot more now than I did the first couple thousand times around. Like, mm. going back to it, I really am appreciating just the tightness of the dialogue. But you've got to say that first. But I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm jumping on the beach wagon. Many people do. I'm a big wagon. <laughs> got quite a wagon I'm dragging. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Send this guy some props. Somebody. <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I was really impressed with how clean and tight it was. Like, the script, having said out loud that the B story sort of does, like, mirror the A story, even though they're totally unrelated, I think was really cool. I think how every line pushes a joke whilst maintaining what is a tragic story, it was a really solid way to kind of keep me invested without without mm. being in tears at the suffering of human existence, you know? It's a hard <laughs> sure. tightrope to balance, and I think being able to have jokes all the way through a touching and dangerous episode without any of those jokes really being, like, controversial or upsetting or offensive, 
Were there any offensive ones? I mean... Probably. Probably. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't think at the time they would have thought that they were walking a particularly thin tightrope here. Like, no. But somehow they still managed to dodge a lot of the, you know, sort of potential pitfalls. Mm. But episodes we want to watch again, we like to think about what playlist they go in. What are some other episodes that would pair nicely with this one? Uh, Nelson's weird friend. He's just there. He doesn't say anything. But when Nelson laughs at the house, he's there. Oh, like his weird mm. little cronies. Yeah. Yeah, 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 one of them, not the other one. He's already dead. All oh, right, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, ripped Willy. Ripped Willy. Oh God, all the Willy biz. And we we we, we could do a, a silly Willy biz playlist. <laughs> and we will. <laughs> uh, get that man a diet cigar. <laughs> But, you know, even classic episodes aren't perfect and we like to explore what we'd like to change about them. So, BT, starting with you, what are some things about Marge Gets a Job that you'd like to change? Nothing really springs immediately to mind. I'm sure there's some parts that maybe lag or that we could argue maybe we should have delved into some deeper aspects of Marge's journey. But that said, I think what's here, you know, it's not terribly deep, but damn, it's funny and tightly packed. And so I don't really have any complaints for that. For what it's being, I, I rather love it. How about you, Claire? What would you like to change? I don't know if this is even a change thing, but what I felt was there were actually like three stories going on here. Mm -hmm. So there's the main line with Marge. Then you've got the kids needing a babysitter and grandpa being relatively incompetent. Then you've got Bart dodging homework and pretending to be sick all the time because he can get away with it because grandpa's watching them. And at first I was thinking while I was watching, I was thinking, oh, there's a lot. There's like two B-side stories here. And the grandpa one is not, like it's, you know, it makes sense because obviously they can't afford a babysitter if they're taking on two jobs to pay for their house sliding away. But it's not that punchy. Like maybe that could go if, you know, we're looking for ways to expand the main storyline in some way. But I was surprised at how well they tied it together. But mm -hmm. faking being sick and grandpa watching the kids storyline ties together so neatly into like... Yeah, they, it brings it back. So now I don't think I don't know. The I don't, point where I, don't I forgot know that were two separate things. Yeah, I, I was like, mm. especially when Krusty came in, I was like, oh yeah, it's that one. Oh, Why yeah. is that mm. coming in so late in the game? The you know, the eagle, just like <laughs> him with the claws deep in the skull cavity. She can crush <laughs> clams with them. Skull cavity. That's our word for the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ding 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 ding. Skull cavity. <laughs> She's just trying to protect her eggs. <laughs> I only ate one. <laughs> oh, Krusty, what a piece of shit. <laughs> um, initially, I was thinking, oh, yeah, this is what I would change. Like, I'd probably ditch Grandpa and, you know, not worry about that side and just have, or like vice versa, I wouldn't bring Krusty in this late. But it, it ties mm. together so nicely, I don't think I could, you know, change mm -hmm. it at this mm -hmm. point. It's got so many of the jokes that have stuck in my head for so long as well. Yeah. Even just like having yeah, a... Yeah, what about you, Danny? What would you like to change? Oh, God. How did I not see that coming? Mm. <laughs> I haven't got a great answer, to be honest. Like, I still feel weird about the two storylines. I know they do sort of mirror each other, mm -hmm. and they're very, like, thematically related. But I feel weird having this sort of person pretending to be a victim and manipulating people. Yeah, he gets comeuppance. It's just... I don't know how I feel Gets about that. Gets mauled by a wolf, Danny. Gets mauled by a wolf. At the same time that Marge is essentially being victimized. She's thrown to the wolves. Mm -hmm. And Burns doesn't get comeuppance, really. 
Yeah, and their house True. never gets raised mm. back up, does it? Does it? No, it does. Off screen. Off screen? Yeah, yeah. The guy fixes it, and he's like, you know, a problem here is water leakage. What you need is a 50-cent washer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've got some in the truck. I'll just get you one. Marge, <laughs> get my gun. Oh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, like, I guess the part of the story that's seeming the weirdest to me is the Bart Wolf storyline and that it's so overtly on the nose, but it's like, ah, ha, ha, it's a literal boy who's crying wolf. Ha, yeah. oh, ho, ho, we all laugh. Yep. But, like, I do feel like it does feel just, on the whole, very tacked on. Absolutely. And I feel like parts of the slanty shanty are also a bit too extended. It does feel like it takes a while for this episode to say what it's about. And maybe that's just because like, that's all the potential material that we had for Marge working at the nuclear plant. But I don't know. I, I, I think there's a lot more of that to get into. And especially like with comparing Marge and Homer's attitude to working at the same place. I think there's a lot to explore in those characters. Yeah, because it does seem hmm. that even you know discounting Burns's uh, unnatural interest in her... She seems to be like a, she's a solid worker, you know, she's trying to finish paperwork. By the time she's doing that, like, she doesn't seem like she doesn't know what she's doing. Like It's she- hard to know if she's a solid worker. She finishes paperwork yeah. and then Homer sends it. Like, Homer keeps interfering with her job. That was sort of another through line that I felt didn't quite get pushed enough. Like, Homer was really negative about having her there. And as soon as she was there, Homer keeps, like, stepping on her toes and doing jumping at her desk and things and... And taking the microphone, why when she's making a point? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, now I now I've lost my train of thought, haven't I? Your thoughts were too heavy to stay on the track. <laughs> they were right. Um, but I don't know. She figured out which button is the giant fireball down the corridor, and it's like, okay, don't do that. And yeah, knowing what button to not push <laughs> is just as important. Well. I don't think we could ever accuse Marge of not being a hard worker. She has always yeah. been a hard worker. She's only been doing it as a homemaker. But as Lisa quite quickly, you know, put together a list of what her actual duties are, you know, I mean, yeah. it scored her a job at a power plant. And see, that's the one thing I suppose that... Large animal wrangler. Well, yeah. See, this is <laughs> yeah. the only thing that I thought was a little bit like, hmm. Because when Lisa's writing up her resume, it seems to all be things mm-hmm. that she actually does. Yeah. They've just given yeah, name yeah. tiles to it. <laughs> Whereas when Smithers is quoting her resume, it's all this random shit that I feel like is not just, it's not stretching the truth anymore. It's yeah. just outright lying. Your resume, you I invented know, this a, machine. I love that stack of jokes. Yeah. Like just that stack of jokes. Oh, I thought Muddy Waters wrote that song. And then like <laughs> yeah. says, welcome aboard in Swahili. It's like, you invented this. Oh, I just, I love this stack of that it's so funny i mean it's really funny but at the same time like on one hand she would have essentially managed to game the system a little bit to get a job that she could definitely Mm. do but she wouldn't have had the like qualifications for whereas on the other hand she's completely lied about everything on her resume and like she doesn't even know what's on there at this point so like I, I don't know. I prefer the first take on the resume joke rather than the, mm. the second one. Yeah. yeah, I agree. As much as I loved, yeah, that stack of jokes, yeah, it would have been nice to see where else they could have taken that. Quickly, guest stars of the episode, Tom Jones was playing himself. Hmm. The Pride of Wales. Had we like Tom Jones in this episode? I really like that he's one of the celebrities that let himself get kidnapped and beaten up and chained to the <laughs> thing. And, you know, you know, yeah. that not yeah. every celebrity lets the Simpsons fuck with them. And mm. that's, that's a good sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. What about you guys? What did you think? I agree. Yeah, that was fine. You know, musicians and sports stars don't always make the best voice actors, but Tom did pretty well in here. And it makes perfect sense that he's Marge's, like, favorite singer. Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. Of course. He's the Michael Bublé of her generation. (laughs) 
like growing up, I had listened to Tom Jones, had a very distinct idea of what he looked like, mm-hmm. and definitely not Welsh. And then seeing a photo of him and then seeing him speak in his regular voice, like, for real, right? It's like when you hear Adele and, like, your, your heart's breaking and she's such a beautiful singer, and then you hear her talking and she's like, oh, God, oh, I got horns on me, fuck on. Oh, you got <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bloody cockney, aren't I? <laughs> right, what? Or drink the fish, why? Hey, what? You didn't listen to my album, you what? <laughs> fuck this. Yeah. Scousers, what yeah. are you? My king, I didn't vote for you. <laughs> As you know, in Python territory. Yeah, I know. There's an overlap there. <laughs> and then Tom Jones sounds like. <laughs> uh, Claire, do you have any other notes about this episode you want to mention before we rank it? No, I've already covered everything. All right. Oh, Danny, wait, no, do you I have haven't. Any other- I haven't. I lied. Yes. I didn't write it down because I thought I'd remember, but ha. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and you did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Look at all those flies buzzing about you. You're a mess, woman. (laughs) That's in my head, me to me, at any point in time when I'm a mess, woman. Like, that's great. Uh, When Elliot told me we were doing this episode, I said, you know, the audio of Mr. Burns saying that line has been replaced with the audio of Claire saying that line in my head. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's great. Oh, shit. Like, I do remember that line just sitting with you and you quoting it often. And yeah, of course I had to have this episode for yeah. you today then. Absolutely and it just so worked that it lined up with the Weeby episode at the start. <laughs> Did it sort of, like, it married to the mob and married to the job and Mards gets a job. Oh, I was going to say that I definitely haven't sat in any candy-coated chocolates because I'm not a smarty pants anymore. I <sighs> thought it was a different kind of theme and it was actually just rhyming titles, wasn't it? It wasn't was it? rhyming titles. You suck. <laughs> there was nothing deeper than that. <laughs> that in candy-coated chocolates. <laughs> Get out of here, you. Uh, Danny, did you have any other notes or are you scrolling through Frinky hey, Yeah, Act? no, look, I had some notes I'd wanted. I just didn't write them down because I assumed Frinky Act would remind me when I asked it. But it's very <laughs> hard to ask Frinky Act, hey, what was those other notes I wanted to remember <laughs> one bit was like do you ever read the boy who cried wolf and he's like oh yeah boy cries wolf has a few laughs <laughs> just forget how i figured out ends but they all have a good time uh how about danny just interrupts bt mm. do you have any other notes do i ever i do love homer's like you gotta get a job i can finally go into the woods with a journal of my thoughts oh yeah. god i miss tv that was on my list just to clarify as well i was saying you can interrupt BT when you find the things that you want to mention. Oh, good. Okay, okay I found okay. my thing. Uh, <laughs> when when Marge is like, maybe we should try theme days. Burns goes, you mean like child labor day? <laughs> <laughs> Man, and that sequence again with the crying person, the drinker, and the, and the, the angel, angel of death. death. The time of purification awake. Yes, yes. And then it cuts to them, and they're just as miserable with yeah. the funny hats on. Oh. Black culture. All right, back to you, Beach. I'll interrupt as soon as I find my next one. Of course. Huh. Um, when Bart's sick and he's like, ah, my ovaries. Mm. Uh, yeah, like, I thought mm. that was a Ralph line. That was a I thought that was a Ralph line. Um, Berenstain moment for Ooh, me. Yeah. Oh, oh mm. me, me, me. Yes, you. Uh, when he gives uh, Marge the office and Smith is like, oh, that's my office. Burns goes, I'm putting you right where the action is. And the next shot is of Smith is scrubbing urinals. Mm-hmm. Mm, minty fresh and winter white and Homer bustling. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> And Smithers does not look unhappy to be there. He's just like, no. he's ready to do a good job. He's only unhappy that people are actually using what he's yeah. cleaned. Hmm. 
I mean, that's the thing. It's like when you make your bed and it's like, you know, okay, I'm not going to sleep in this for fucking a week because that's Look at those a lot of it. <laughs> it's like when you finally clean your kitchen, you're like, all right, we have to order takeout because I'm not using any of these dishes <laughs> ever again. <laughs> Everything has to just be able to throw out. Like, I can't, I can't yeah. deal with this. A riff I really noticed, uh, sorry, really liked, and I don't know if I fully appreciate it before, was... Uh, Oh, let's get that crew now. You know, dig up Al Jolson. Uh, remember we did that one, sir? Oh, yes, that's right. He's dead and rather pungent. The rest of that evening is something I'd rather forget. Pungent. <laughs> that was his takeaway. Pungent. Wonder if he still had the makeup. Yep. Uh, the really great little visual of uh, Burns when he slicks his head and just slides off it when he's trying to act casual. <laughs> is so good. So good. Care to join me in a belt of scotch? Mr. Hutz, it's 9.30 in the morning. Oh, that's okay. I haven't slept in days. <laughs> <laughs> and they go with him anyway. They still yeah. hire him. <laughs> Who else is there? Blue head lawyer? No, Mr. Burns has him. Hey, he left, he left his briefcase. briefcase. <laughs> and it's yeah. a full of shredded newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of briefcases, how good was Smither with the two briefcases? Maybe yeah. you should look yeah. in <laughs> this briefcase. I don't, I don't know what could possibly be in uh... <laughs> And he really bends down to have that close-up yeah. look. <laughs> really look into that briefcase. Because hmm. you know, someone asked him to. <laughs> Just make sure you don't mix up your cash and gas briefcases. Or your grass briefcase. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my, I only had a couple more notes. Um, <laughs> that was a truck stop joke. Your ass briefcase, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a free sample of lemon time. Give it here. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> That's dish soap. Nah, he just keeps going. Oh, there is it one. It feels other like thing there's a what are you going to do playlist there. Mm-hmm. Sorry? There is one we haven't mentioned, which mm-hmm. no one's mentioned Gorgeous Homer yet. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Burns gave me another race today. <laughs> the senile old fool. The senile old fool. <laughs> <laughs> another fantasy in this episode, Homer imagining his retirement. I often think about the yes. couch while I'm on the couch. Yes, yeah. on the couch, imagine the couch. Absolutely. Oh, God, that's another line that lives uh, rent free in my head. It's just the, uh, the spirit level sliding off. Did you see the bubble? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the big note I wanted to get to. When Mrs. Krapapel's like, you've avoided this test with saying you had smallpox, the bends, and that one bout of rabies. In the original broadcast for this episode, that was Tourette's, not rabies. That's what I thought, yeah. Well, that's why he said yeah. shove it, witch. Because he had Tourette's afterwards. Yeah, I was confused by that. I'm like, I, I could have sworn she said Tourette's. Yeah, well, it oh, doesn't yeah. make nearly as much sense for him to be twitching and swearing afterwards. Well, yeah. I mean, he doesn't know what ovaries are, so maybe he didn't know what rabies was, <laughs> but I, I figure that that was removed for insensitivity reasons. Yeah. I mean, it did get a lot of backlash, and in particular, according to this article, a boy named Joshua Smith began seeking legal action, but ended mm. up dropping the thing after a letter back from The Simpsons. But Yeah, and his lawyer only had a briefcase full of newspaper. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> and The Simpsons had much more than 10 lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in his demands, it's like, they not repeat the episode, and later on have Bart Simpson befriend somebody with Tourette's on the show. And include an apology from Bart at the end of the episode. Wow. Aiming high. (laughs) Also $10 million, please. Well, that one, like, to me, was all like, and he needs to have a friend that's got Tourette's. And his friend has to have my name. And he has to be constantly saying what a cool kid he is. And when he's not around, the other characters need to be asking, where's that kid? (laughs) But yeah, he wrote back saying, yeah, we feel like we made a mistake on this one. We feel bad about it. And yeah, they uh, edited future broadcasts to, yeah, not include the Tourette's line. Well, there we go. Mm. I mean, I I don't disagree with that, to be honest. Like, 
Well, it's just interesting that this happening in 1992 when, mm. like, Tourette's jokes sort of hit their peak in late 90s. Mm. And it's like, you know, jokes about being autistic or jokes about having any other kind of neurological or Mm. mental Mm. disorder or disease. Like, it's probably a good thing that they got that one sorted Mm. earlier rather than later. Considering that the future would not be kind to them. Yeah. And I I think, yeah, I think that's exactly the point. You can catch rabies, but, you you know, you are born Mm. with Tourette's. And also it's severely incorrectly represented, I suppose, Mm. in media. Exactly. Misrepresented. That's a better way of saying it. You can cure rabies. You just have to deal with it. It's a person dealing with Tourette's, you know? Um. Mm. All right, let's rank this thing. Claire, you can go first. Oh, oh no. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And I'm a bit mm-hmm. worried that it's because I've seen it so much that the jokes didn't hit so hard, which is a terrible mm-hmm. reason to lower, you know, like, because the jokes are still good. It's just that I've seen them mm-hmm. so many times. So I'm trying to make sure that it's not that. But gut instinct is silver? Okay, But that seems low because it's a very good episode, but I still, I don't know. Silver seems right. Silver's still great. Silver's still great. Ain't nothing wrong with silver. But it's it's a very good episode. BT. I'm having the opposite effect in terms of like, is it because I've seen this so often and so many of these jokes come preloaded for me? Am I thinking of it too highly? Because my heart almost wants to go to a cubic, but my guts are more in a gold and I'm going to sit with a gold specifically because... There's just not a lot of depth this episode. It's really well written and I love how packed and like stacked a lot of the jokes are and how so many jokes get callbacks and all these kind of things. But there's just not a whole lot of depth to it. And I mean, it's subtextually there, but in terms of the actual text, not so much. So I'm going to sit with a gold. It's a lot of fun. I got a lot of laugh out loud moments out of a 30 year old episode, which is crazy. But there's, yeah, just, you know, if you dive head first in, you're probably going to break your neck. It's not that deep. <laughs> and Danny. I'm somewhere between gold and cubic as well. Grubick. Grubick. Absolutely. Dave Grubick, he was, he did some really great tunes in like odd time signatures. I nerd. I th- I think that it was like for its time it was like doing a sensitive controversial topic sort of thing, doing something that people being under underappreciated in the workplace or people being like hired and fired just because they got the tits or whatever. Like it's a massive thing to do an episode about and have it land really well. I don't think it was a super powerful episode, but I think it landed at what it was setting out to do. I think every line was well scripted and funny and witty. I think that the B plot, like, I don't know if it was the right place to have Willie fighting a Timberwolf, but I think it was really like correlated. It was juxtaposition. Like the the whole victim correlation thing, super interesting. I use juxtaposition. When we were in year 12, that was the one word that would guarantee you a pass in any any English essay. Yeah, Yeah. So like, there is a lot of things that I really am impressed with. The whole, all the writing was a joke, was really clever writing and the jokes weren't like offensive to detraction of the the message they were putting across, you know? It didn't ruin the story. But you know, like I watched Lisa Gets a Pony or I watched Boy Scouts in the Hood and I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, damn, this is fucking amazing. And I walk out of this damn. one and I'm like, dang, this was pretty solid, you know? That's not the same sort of reaction. That's not me melting yeah. into a puddle of of appreciation. The appreciation puddle didn't quite happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm going gold as well. All right. Oh, man, I was hoping that by putting y'all in front of Yeah, this, like, I know. It's not easy, is it? <laughs> yeah. Um. 
I think I'm with Claire on this one. It just has an overall silver feel. And it's not that it does anything particularly wrong to get down there. It's just, that's just how it feels to me. And like, I'm putting this one in sort of the similar situation as a lot of season four episodes, like Margin Chains or Whacking Day or something where like, yeah, they are good episodes and they're good times, but just the overall sort of package is, I don't know, just something not quite in that super special Simpsons. Uh, not just, it's special. It's just not as special as the even specialer ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But averaging out, this will equal a dull gold. It'll be the fifth episode from season four to get that rank. And it feels so right now that I say that. I was a little bit worried, but in amongst this company, it so feels like that. It'll be joining Camp Krusty, Selma's Choice, the mm. Duff Gardens episode, Whacking Day, and Krusty gets cancelled. Yeah, that's perfect. Mm. Those are all great episodes. Yeah. But they don't stand out in the way that some episodes stand out. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Simpsons Index. Thank you hey, guys so much for joining us. It will never be the end of the Index, Elliot. It will never, never stop come. The Simpsons. You'll never stop the Index. <laughs> never fear. We'll think of something else. <laughs> we'll have reviews for years. <laughs> But no, Danny and Claire, thank you so much for joining us this week. Dude, it has been an absolute blast. You know what? It's really fun watching the good episodes. And sometimes <laughs> it's even fun watching the bad episodes. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. sometimes. It's good to keep those knives sharp. <laughs> but it is always fun bitching about them. Yes, I come for the bitching. <laughs> <laughs> but I stay for the classics. Thanks for having us, guys. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And BT, if people want to hear more of us, where can they do that? Why, where can't they go? To any podcatcher they can go and look up all our shows. That includes Thrones of Game, where we review Game of Thrones backwards. Elliot O.J. O'Neill has now seen the entirety of Game of Thrones, but in reverse You just call me order. Elliot O.J. O'Neill. Look, man, I forgot what I'm saying. <laughs> Elliot Orange Juice O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> you got a new nickname, son. It is a keeper. Orenthal. No, sorry. Ah, uh, fuck, you I'm already lost. I'm down the back of the fridge with the pens and the instruction manuals. I watched Game of Thrones backwards. I'm the only person that did that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Only person in the world. And you can listen to that on a podcast. That's right, Thrones of Game. Our other, other podcast is, of course, Pulp Fury Radio. This is a scripted podcast where we take pulp genres and use some radio play folly and acting, and it's a real lot of fun. And I still, after all these years, have not figured out how to plug it properly. <laughs> and if you really like us, wink, you can go to patreon.com slash Studios for everything we do, including exclusive podcasts. Yeah, we've got over 40 exclusive podcasts that you can unlock right now for just a cup of coffee. And just a cup of coffee, people. The Sorry, the price of a cup of coffee per month. Just the We're price right of a cup of, of coffee. Thing. It's hard but to talk. You haven't heard enough of being Ben and Elliot, of, being, mm. of bacon and eggs. If you don't get enough of bacon and eggs day to day... Bacon, eggs, and OJ. <laughs> OJ O'Neill. And joining at various tiers, you know, if you join up at the $5, the side quest tier, you can get access to all our podcasts, or you can upgrade to the main quest tier, mm. like our good friends Grant Prusy, Philip Wolf, and someone that's calling themselves 16-ounce mouse. How mysterious. Thank you all. <gasps> all right. So once again, thank you so much for joining us, Claire. Thanks, Elliot. And Beach. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> Today's episode was brought to you by the letter U Because without you, where would you be? Oh shit And BT, what uh, number are we brought by? <laughs> seven, it's always seven Lucky seven It's a good number And I'm your host Elliot J. O'Neill That's all the mustard in the house Thank you for listening to the Simpsons Index podcast Which is also an online spreadsheet available at thesimpsonsindex.com 
You can chat to us online at facebook.com slash The Simpsons Index or at Simpsons Index on Twitter or Instagram. Now, there's no bonus scenes for this episode, so we'll catch you next week.